Welcome to another Energy Crew podcast. I'm your host, JP Warren, and we are sitting here with uh, Matt Martin, the uh, geoscience manager. Is that right? What's, That's what's, it. The, what's the title? Geoscience, geoscience manager. manager of Eventive. And yep. uh, first off, I'm, I'm just checking the sound uh, with, this, uh, with these uh, headphones real quick before we get kicked off. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. I know there's a lot of uh, podcasts out there. Time is uh, time is valuable. We hope you get something out of this. But today, you know, it's uh, it's kind of holiday season right now, right? It's a... Uh, we're cutting. Nah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna wear these for a little bit. I'm just wearing these. So it's holiday season, and you and I did a breakfast run um, probably about a month ago, right? Yep. Probably about a month ago, and you were like, "Hey, let's uh, let's do a little podcast too." So I'm like, I completely dig that idea. And normally, in the fashion of Energy Crew podcasts, it's you. It could be wherever. It's always over. Uh, it's not always, but sometimes you know, some people like having a couple cocktails to loosen up or a glass of wine, and uh, and you brought in a different idea. Uh, to the table, which I'm digging. Tell me about this uh, this yep. idea. Well, tell me where we are right now. Yeah, so we're at uh, We Olive down in the Heights, and um, you know when we JP and I departed ways last time, I said, well, let's let's have some brown water together sometime. And I started thinking about that, and I think you know that's it's let's, so everyone let's does try that. something. Let's, everyone does that. Let's try something different. Okay, you know. So uh, you know, I, I was I was thinking about my. My wife and I, we, had, we took our first trip to Napa back in 2011 and uh, got there on a Saturday night and woke up Sunday morning, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, ready to hit the vineyards. So we left where we were staying like at 8 o'clock in the morning. Well, none of the vineyards up until 9 o'clock on Sunday morning. So we were at, we finally found one that was open. Okay. So we started at 9 o'clock that Sunday morning and went all the way through the next Thursday. And just vineyard after vineyard after vineyard. And by the time Thursday rolls around, you know, our livers are ready to file divorce papers. Yes, yes. And so we're like, you know, what's something different we can do? So we started, uh, you know, going online. We found out, hey, well, here's an olive oil vineyard. Or excuse me, an olive oil orchard, which happens Is that what have, it is, an orchard? It's not a vineyard? It, it, right. Which happens to be attached to a vineyard, oddly enough. Okay. So we went and tried that and, you know, having grown up in, you know, East Texas, Pompeii, extra virgin olive oil. That was the olive oil. That's what I thought olive oil was. Right. Right. You know, being the cultured East Texas redneck that I am. <laughs> cultured East Texas. Yes. You hear that a lot in, the, in, the, in our industry, the cultured East Texas uh, rednecks. Well, here I am. Here and, we are. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Forrest Gump and Fabio show <laughs> here. Um, anyway, so... You know, Kim and I wrapped our minds around. I said, let's go do this. Let's take a break from the, you know, the vineyard from the booze. Hopping. Yeah. Yeah. And I never knew that there was such a variety and I mean, such a, a, a flavor spectrum of, uh, of olive oil. I didn't either. I always thought that. So when I've seen like, obviously, you know, you go to H-E-B, I find the cheapest stuff and bring that to the house. I just, I just use it for cooking. You know what I mean? But like. I've, I've been like like Central Market, and there's like a walls of like different all of, and the, you see some that are priced like very high, like yeah. very pricey. Very, I'm like, who the hell would spend something on that? But I get, I like, I'm starting to kind of understand why it's a whole process. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you know, going olive oil shopping's like shopping for anything, right? Was, so, so, so yeah. tell me about this. so tell me. So you get so you get to this place, and you're kind of doing this olive oil tastings, all this stuff, and, it was, and you enjoyed the experience. Absolutely enjoyed the experience, and what was really cool was they had this, and I forget how old it was. I think it was, it's probably close to 100 years old, but they had a, a, a an actual olive press that they imported from Italy. I love that stuff. And it was, I mean, it was, it was just really cool. And it was, it was 
you know, our, our livers started liking us again and, you know, got a little culture and you know, learned some new things. That is so very cool. When it people, was fun. So my wife fun. and I, we'll go to, we'll go to, we haven't been in Napa yet or California, uh, but we go to Fredericksburg uh, quite a bit. And mm-hmm. uh, it's always, and I guess, you know, we know Sean Stevens has several properties up there. There's a little plug for Sean Stevens. Oh, uh, yeah. Get what it's called. But anyway, sorry, Sean. But uh, no, we always go up there and like we have such a blast at these, uh, you know, wine vineyards and all that stuff. But Fredericksburg is kind of hit or miss. You know, there's some really good stuff. and There's some really like shit out there that's not good. You it, know, it's, it's very, yes, it's very, very, very mediocre. You know, I've, I've been going out to that part of Texas. I've my wife and I love the hill country. We that's, do too. That that's that's our home away from home. In fact, we had a place out there for six years. Where uh, at? Uh, Right between Hunt and Ingram, right on the Guadalupe. The, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, right. Did you go up there a bunch when you had it? Absolutely. We'd go twice a month. Okay. Right when yeah. we had it. So, you know, going, I started, we started going out there in 98. Uh, our oldest started going to summer camp out there. Okay. And, you know, fell in love with the area. And, you know, making that trip up and down 290, I've seen it grown, grow from, you know, one or two vineyards to what it is now. And not only do you have, you know, there's probably 20 additional vineyards there at least in the last 15 years. You're seeing, you're also seeing a lot of like, uh, distilleries. Like, well, distilleries you're seeing, but you're also seeing a lot of like, uh, communities like pop up, which is kind of unfortunate, you know what I mean? But it's just, exp- it's, just yeah. it's like, where are you gonna find land these days? But yeah. like, you're also seeing that kind of migrate out there too. Yeah. That, that whole area out there, that whole, you know, Austin, San Antonio corridor is exploding. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it really is. It's, it's, it's crazy, but I love, and that's, that's where we're going to retire. That's where I'll, I would, you know, we'll, I would love to we'll get a house there. End up eventually. We had, we had this, I mean, this, this house was just phenomenal. Um, we had a, a view that was unlike no other okay. out there. Uh, but basically what happened there was, uh, uh, a rich old man from South Texas who just sold one of his companies came out there and bought the 361 acres that butted up to our 10 acres. All right. And, you know, it was a godfather deal. He made me an offer I couldn't refuse. Sometimes you gotta, sometimes and, you gotta accept offers like that. You know, and th- there were some things going on in, in our lives that, you know, it, you know, Kim and I still miss the place. We talk about it all the time, but made lots of great memories there and made some really dear close friends that we we still stay are in they contact. still up there they're still there and uh so you gotta yeah, find a so new we, place you know we yeah we'll we'll you know whenever the market you know sinks again <laughs> we'll, we'll go back out shopping right not right now i mean it's not froth, now it's frothed up out there like it is everywhere else but uh you know like i said we've made some really dear close friends out there still stay in contact with them so uh you know that's our uh, that's our second home out there. I love it out love there. It. I would love. It's just it's just relaxing, good people. You got people coming in from you know West Texas, Houston, Dallas. Just everyone's kind of, it's, it's just a good time. You know yeah. what I mean? The, the, the energy's good there. The 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 energy's good, and you know, I mean, you hit it on the head there. There's some really great people out there. Oh, there is, and there's uh, some good food there too. I love the whole. There's a huge German presence. I love German food. I mean, it's got it's yes. got a great. Uh, Great history too, yeah, which I love. So, and I'm I'm a big I'm a big barbecue head. So you know you're, you know you're right there, you know in the in the heart of real Central Texas barbecue. Do you and Tyler country. Schultz all? That's all you gotta talk about is barbecue. Well, um, yes. I feel like I feel like that would be like yes. a great like so, I mean, banter yeah. that y'all would have. 
Lockhart, you know, I love cooking brisket. And actually my son-in-law and I, for about three or four years, we actually cooked competitively. Like, what do you mean? Like, like against each other? Or like, no, no, no. We would go to barbecue cook-offs. So, okay. So I did, we I, were a team. So I did a, um, um, uh, uh, Daniel energy partner had a barbecue out in the Midland mm-hmm. and uh, I was invited to be a judge on that. And I was like, Oh sure. I'm gonna go in and just have some brisket and call it a day. It is a serious process. This, the judging is very serious. No phones, no booze, no, no, nothing like that. There's yeah. like different, like you got to pull it up. You gotta let the brisket hang. You gotta look for this. I didn't realize how much went into judging. Well, let let let, let me tell you, the the judging part is interesting because I have a, a very close friend of mine. Again, a person that I met out in the hill country, okay. and we became friends. We've been friends with him, him and his wife for eleven years, and he was already in competitive cooking. Okay, and gave me a lot of tips. And you know, so Andrew, my son-in-law, and I had done three competitions didn't even get a call right so they you know you get first through second play or excuse me first through third place with an award and some money and then you get fourth fifth and sixth sometimes seventh place yeah maybe up to 10 depending on the number of teams and then depending on the number of teams you get a call in other words you know to to, to keep the judging anonymous right you're assigned a ticket yes and it's ticket number right yeah. so They'll say, okay, well, you know, here's first through 10th. You know, they get up and wave and all that. And then here are the calls on brisket, the, the, you know, number 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. So my friend Richard out in San Antonio said, if you really want to do well, go be a judge. So Andrew and I. So what does that mean? So, so you, why? Is that so you can learn what they're looking for? Okay. He, there's a there's there's a lot going on there. So let me, let me tell you the big thing that I that I already kind of knew, but it really drove it home. So um, my daughter and son-in-law were living in, down in Corpus at the time. So we found a barbecue cook-off and we signed up to judge. Uh, I said at the brisket and the chicken table. Okay. So you know. If you've ever cooked a brisket at home, you know when you slice it up and if it stays exposed to the air for a while, it kind of starts to turn gray. It undergoes, you know, physical change. Right. Right. So the the one thing that I learned about that is how much, just how much the barbecue changes by the time it, you put it in your box, in your, until in you your tent, the, until you sit at the table. And you turn it in and it sits there for, say, another 30 minutes. Yep until it gets to the judging table where it sits maybe another 20 before the judges get to it. Right. Yeah. And so I was, I was floored. And so, you know, one, you, you, you judge based on taste, you know, appearance, taste, texture, appearance, appearance. Cause you need a little, if you have, and the things though, the greenery, let's talk about appearance real quick. Yeah. You can only have like one green thing. If it's, if it's anything like it's fancy, it's like canceled out or something like that. It's very stringent. So, when we were judging and when we were competing, it was the, uh, I think IBC was the name of the, of the organization that oversaw these official barbecue competitions. And you had to have, you had a, a piece of foil in the bottom of your you know, yep. styrofoam standard yep. to go box, right? So when you put your brisket in there, it had to be laid in a certain orientation, yep. right? With no juice. You could not have loose 
Loose you know, juice. In, the loose juice can't be loose. The the juice can't be loose in the bottle, right? So or no barbecue sauce uh-huh. or any of that, right? So sitting there at the judging table and just talking about brisket, it was amazing. And you know when you know that you know there was enough good barbecue people there that you know they had no intention of their brisket looking like crap yeah. or tasting like crap by the time it got to you. But let me tell you, I was shocked. Not only at the, the the texture change, the color change, the smell change, right? But also, you know, the the tenderness and the juiciness. So that that stuck with me and Andrew. So fast forwarding to our next competition, that Andrew and I went to having that knowledge of the physical. Change the time from them. cutting to, to serving. Exactly. What happens and, and you know what happens when you open that box? So my friend Richard taught me a trick is before you turn in your brisket, you slice it, right? Okay. And you, you save your brisket juice and you take like a cookie sheet and you juice up your slices. So you lay all your slices in there, juice them up, and then quickly lay them on a paper towel to get rid of the the loose juice and put them in there and I'll be damned if we didn't get a call. Really? Yeah. Cause it probably, of, it probably stayed a lot, a lot more moist. Out of 106 teams, we got number 13 on brisket. Wow. And it was, and I guarantee is because of the knowledge we gained by going and judging. And then the trick that Richard taught me about juicing your brisket up. I always thought like, you know, like whenever, before, you know, you go to F5 or you go to these barbecues where there's like, you know, you always think like, oh, well, they won because they're buddies with the Joe. They're, they yeah. they know this person, so they're going to win all this stuff. Or they're, you know, the biggest sponsor, so they won. It's it, it's anonymous. Like, you get the brisket, it has a number. Then it goes to another person, and they give it a new number. Then it goes to another person, they give it a new I feel like it, like, changes hands, like, three times. Right. Each time, like, making it kind of more separated from the source. And it's, 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 it's an impressive, intense it is. experience. It I was is. I was blown away how intense it was. Like... I thought we were all just out there having a good time, but no, it was serious. And, and I learned early on, it's a lot like, I, I love to bass fish, and I'll, I'm sure I'll bring that up here later on. But, you know, if you want to be successful, right, you know, I can't go out and drink a 12-pack of Tall Boys and expect to do well right. bass fishing, right? right? It's the same with the barbecue competitions. I learned really quickly that, it's a you job. Know, five o'clock in the morning comes early. You got to be up starting your fire. You got to be on your game. And, you know, you can have a couple yeah. of beers a night before, but if you're planning on going there to party, you might as well forget doing, you know, placing or doing anything. Yeah, you're not cooking for the family and drinking beer to get away from your family at Thanksgiving. Exactly. This is serious stuff. I mean, it, it is. I mean, there's guys there that I'm, take it serious. Very serious, take too. It very serious. So we did the Kansas City. Uh, rules or whatever that means that's all i know i'm not going to go into it that's all i know i just felt like dropping that that's it the I'm, uh, the kansas city uh barbecue. Oh, the, the, the big kc thing you know i i've never i'm first and foremost i'm a central texas barbecue guy so okay all in you know i spent 20 years screwing up briskets right so i finally watched one of um Aaron Franklin's YouTube video on okay. cooking brisket. And that, that got me to where I could, man, you know, this, this is edible, man. What's right. Going on? Yeah. 
Yeah. Next door's going good. So look, we're talking we're talking brisket right now. We got some drilling going on, a little bit of oil field. We got olive oil. So it's like this is an oil and gas uh and podcast. And we're we're covering all the bases, but in a different way. Exactly. A different Absolutely. Way. We, we we got it all covered here. Um but I'm I'm a Central Texas barbecue guy. Okay. And that, you know, I subscribe to the Aaron Franklin school of you got to start out with a, you know, good piece of meat, right? I mean, that's right. Check that box. But all I use is kosher salt and coarse black pepper. That's, that's it? all I use. And post oak. Post oak. Post oak. What's that? Yeah. It's, it's a type of oak tree that's. Oh, so the, okay. Okay. Yeah. For smoking. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. I thought it was like a, a, a seasoning. <laughs> that was a test. I'm making sure. Look, I man, I was hanging out with Jordan Hess and all those cats last night. So about 11 o'clock. So you got to give me a break. So real quick. Cheers. Ah, Cheers. And so, we, so what, talk, talk to me about this, what we're drinking. Okay. So this, are, we having, are we having olive oil first? Well, let's have the important stuff first. Salute. Salute. An Pretty old sweet, vine red zen. That's what this is. Old vine zinfandel. So where so talk, where'd you find this little, uh, yeah. this little beauty? So I discovered this, uh, Kim and I, my wife, we took a, our, our first trip to wine country back in 2011. And I, this is good. You know, I'm, you know, I'm from, I'm from East Texas guys. I mean, you know, I'm, I've, I didn't get any culture halfway until I got here to Houston, but anyway, I'm a yellowtail gentleman. <laughs> Mad dog 2020. <laughs> there was we go. The order of the day. Right. So anyway, so we go uh, make our first trip to wine country and uh, ended up at Louis Martini vineyard. And uh, we're trying different wines, and they said, "Well, we have an old vine Zinfandel." And when I heard Zinfandel, I'm thinking, you know, the pink stuff, yeah. and you know, and he's like, "No, this is like, you know, this is red wine." I'm like, "Yeah, let me try some." So this particular, it was a 2008 old vine Zinfandel, and by old vine, these vines were between 100 and 150 years old. I just, I just remembered the numbers. I so think are, I, I, I'm so blown away. Like, I, like, you know, when he came and brought this bottle, the, the average vine is what, 50 to 130 years for this bottle. I'm blown yeah. away that the same plant produces that for that many years. Yeah. So anyway, go on. And no, I'm, I'm not, you're right. I mean, I'm, you know, so anyway, after, you know, walking away from, you know, that whole experience out there, it was probably, well, not probably, it was my favorite discovery. Cultural wine discovery. Old Vine Red Zen. Old Vine Red Zen. And the, my favorite is the, the Louis Martini. Okay. And it's, this, this has a little, uh, you know, it's, it's a little, little translucent uh, or, tra or a little, tra you can see light through it. See, I'm already. Yeah. No, that works. Yeah. Got, I'm on with you. So the deal with the Louis Martini is very inky. Very dark. So no light, no light goes through. No light will go through. But I mean, it's got a. I mean, this 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 is a great, you know, old vines in, right? But the the, in my opinion, anyway, the Louis Martinis is top. Is old? Is, is it hard to find, or do you find it like H E B? You can find it at H E B, uh, rarely. Uh, the place that I've that I've found it. Is total wine. Lifetime oh, yeah. Specs doesn't have it, especially the 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 older, the old vines. Yeah, 
or the you know the the, the earlier vintages. I, I like you. I, I I've never used old vines when talking about wine. I'm gonna start using that a bunch now. But yeah, yeah, it's it's good stuff. Yeah, but to, where I did find the Louis Martini, I did find a 2011 at uh, Total Wine. But it's not it's not one that you're gonna find everywhere. Okay. So that's, okay. that's that's your go-to now, so, the old vine yeah. reds in. And so when I when I start jonesing for some of this stuff, I just get online, uh, missionliquors.com. Okay. California-based company. Great, that's where I buy my tequilas from, and that's where I order my, my Louis Martini old vines in. What do you mean by your tequila? So they make their they make a tequila? No, it's just the the, the price. Okay. Yeah. All right. So and I'm, they just ship it in? Comes, yep, comes to the house. I dig that. This has to be somebody 18 years old or over, or she'd be in Texas, 21 or older, to sign for it. That's it? But yeah. yeah. And so right now, so I thought, you know, when we're getting these olive oil and stuff like that, I really thought that there would be like a piece of bread that you dip it in or something like that, but that's apparently not the case right now. So for those of that are listening and not watching, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different oils in front of us okay yes and i thought you just dip you know some bread in it or something like that but no that's not how you do this properly this is done by actually taking the shot uh, the glass the taste whatever whatever it's called and you sip on it right right that's it yep and so, so right now we got um the the Ar- arbuquena i'll move the bottle the corneki Cor- mm-hmm. and the piqual and two of these are spanish grapes and one's a greek grape the corn Corner, whatever it is, the S K O R, whatever. That's the Greek grape. So we're going to start off with pretty much the basic olive oil right now. The one that the Arbor, the Arborquina. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it to it. Cheers, buddy. And and you, just, hold on a second. Hold on. Walk me through this. Do you keep it in your mouth? You just, how do you do this? Yeah, this is the first time I've ever just, sampled olive oil. Just, don't, don't, don't swallow it quickly. Just kind of let it just. Just drain down. Let gravity do its work. Let the juice loose in your, in your mouth. Let the let juice, the juice loose. loose. Now see, this is what I'm used to. I'm I'm hit I'm hit, I'm getting a hint of a little of a little heat there towards the end of that one. You are? Mm-hmm. On the back of my tongue. Okay, okay. I I don't know how to describe it, but yeah, okay. So, it's uh So this to me, and I and I think Alec our our uh, olive oil and wine Corn- wine connoisseur. Steward, Right, you know, said that this is what most people are used to. To like cook like, with and stuff like, like that. Yeah, right. yeah. Being from East Texas, it was Pompeii extra virgin. And that's pretty much this. That's that's what okay, this so is. Okay, so that's right? where that's that's where we're starting right. off right now. So we're getting fancier as we go to and the then left. we got this special one at the end. We're not gonna we're not talk about that yet. We're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to that. So that was good. Um not really surprising to me. Um pretty standard, yep. pretty basic. Um, I'm going to do, I'm going to go to the Greek one and I'm, then, then we're going to start continue, continue okay. this conversation. Oh, well, we got to clean the palate. Got to cleanse the palate. Little Topo Chico. Little, little Topo. And, and John, if you're watching, I, we should be having ranch water, but you know, liquor, beer, have no fear. Tequila, well, tequila, but, wine, never sicker. But it's all, but it's also the, uh, it's also uh, a Q4 <laughs> in the oil field. So we got to sell. That's true. That's true. All right, so, wait, who's John? John to Spain. Oh, yeah, I love that Who? guy. 
Well, I'm thinking I about it. I'm, I'm, call, I'm calling him out. Okay. I'm his agent and brand manager. So have your people call my people and we'll get him on. I, I've tried to, but he's very he's very hesitant to come on. So I'm, I'm sure, look, he's a he's a huge fan of this podcast. He, he's, oh. he, has, he says it's his favorite podcast in the whole wide world. So, I'll work on it. So we got to get him on, okay? So I'm his he's brand. so, he's a, he's a trip, dude. I love that guy. Yep. Good people. All right. Good people. Now we're at the, uh, I'm going to try the uh, Koroneki, the Greek one. Are you, are, you, are you diving in on this? Let's go. All right. Here we go. Okay. Hmm. What do you think? Kind of, but is is there? I mean, I'm is, not, is, I might not. I don't know if it's the right term. Is it a little that, buttery? Is that okay it, to say? That's it. I feel. I, I kind of feel that's like I don't good, want to mess up. That's a good way to describe it. It's a little it. buttery. It's a little buttery. It is buttery. It's it's a, it's like that, butter's covering the olive taste. And I get a like a hint of like I don't know corn or wheat or some sort of grain. Yeah. on that one. Very grainy. Yeah, I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So let's salute. Salute. Dude, what a great idea. You know what? This is like, when did you when did you realize you had your shit together? Because this is like, this is what people do that have their stuff together. So when did when did you get to the point in your career and life? You're like, you know what? I'm going to start enjoying stuff and do stuff like this outside the box. I'd say probably within the last three years. Really? Yeah. What um, shifted? I think I don't take myself too seriously anymore. Did you used to take yourself serious? Absolutely. Really? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, t- I took myself too seriously. I was too, you know, and I think I said this during our, our breakfast run, you know, it's early in my career. It's not that I thought I knew everything. I thought I was expected to know everything. Okay. And if, and if I didn't know something, I mean, you know, it's one of those, you're on your, you are your own worst enemy. Right. So. So you'd I'm, be a lot harder on yourself than anyone else. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So I'd say probably within the last three years, uh, and Mark Spicer, if you're watching, yes, part of that does correlate working for you, <laughs> believe it or not. But anyway, um, um, you know, it, there's a lot of things. I think, first of all, I, I realize what's a priority in life, right? Yeah. And, you know, first and foremost is my family. Yes. Right. But, you know, at the same time, you know, I said this, I have this, you know, I have, I'm having, again, I'll repeat myself from the breakfast run. I'm having the most fun I've ever had in my career. I mean, I love that. If I walked out of here today and I got hit by a Bud Light truck walking to my pickup truck, I'd die happy, man. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm, seriously, I'm, I was thinking about that on the way here. And like, and I said this, you know, during the breakfast run. It sounds it sounds corny or whatever, but it's the God's honest truth. But you know, that's right? I mean, that's interesting. A lot of people, you know, um, we live in a kind of a whole, uh, hustle culture. You know what I mean? Like it's we like do. rise and grind, hustle, hustle, hustle. Um, and a lot of people, you know, obviously commit themselves to the work. You know what I mean? Whether it's whatever, I'm going to put in eighty hours or sixty, whatever that looks like. And you know, they, there's obviously some strain at the at the home life, the, the work life balance, right? Um, you know, the spouse, you know, the spouses could be like, oh, da, da, da. well, honey, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for us. I'm doing this for you. But 
if you start, if you focus on the, on your, on your career the entire 20 years for your family and you're not there yeah. for your family, I mean, that's a great point. Like it's, yeah. yeah, we're doing this for our family, but you, you need to, I completely, I agree. Realize what's important and actually focus on that as well because families take work. Right. Because when I'm laying on my deathbed, you know, the God's honest truth is we're not going to be laying there going, man, I wish I would have spent more time at the office. Oh, if I just sent that, if I just followed up that last time for that last email. Right. Yeah, no. So, but, you know, back to the work thing, here's, here's what's, I think, a, a, a big key on where I'm at, you know, mentally not taking myself seriously, um, you know, being uh, a leader, a manager of a team, I've got great people on my team. I don't have to sit here and worry about, you know, is, is Sally doing what she's supposed to be doing? Is Billy doing this? Is Timmy, you know, I've got great people on my team. We get on well. We know what needs to get done. We get it done. So you don't have to, so if you had trust, you don't have to stress about it. I, I don't have to stress about it. Overstress. Obviously, there's overstress. always stress and, in life. And another plug for Mark Spicer, I, I don't have a boss who micromanages me. Yeah. That's, that's important. Right. And that's, and, I've been there. I've done that. And that is something that, and, and I, I hope if any of my folks are on my team or watching that they agree, I, that's, that's not something I do. I mean, if I go by somebody's office, it's just because I'm interested and, you know, poor Stacy, the geophysicist that works on my team, I'm a geophysicist by background. So, you know, she and I will have a lot of, you know, in-depth discussions because yeah. that's my, that's my wheelhouse. Yeah. Right. But I never try to micromanage the team. You know, I always, I always tell them, I said, you know, I have enough confidence in them to be able to say, you're all big boys and girls. We know what needs to get done. And I have confidence that you're going to get it done. Well, and they, and they, and they do. So, so two parts of that first off, Vented. I mean, every person that I've met at Vented has been just tremendous. You know what I mean? It's, just, it's a great just place solid to be. people, you know, just people that you'd want to like, let's, outside of work that you'd want to hang out with every single person. It's that a great I've met. place to be. I'm serious about that. I can't think of one person I met that I'm like, I wouldn't have a beer with that person just because they, they were just a good, good group of people yeah. there. And then, um, but going to your point about the, uh, the micromanaging, I think that's so important because I understand why people micromanage, you know, I understand why, because you know, everyone understands why they want it done right. They want it done their way. If something messes up, it's on them. Yada, yada, yada. I've, I've noticed that during the downturn, um, when people got let go and they lost their jobs and all stuff, engineers wise, I'm talking engineers wise, if they were micromanaged and they weren't able to make decisions or prove themselves as engineers or, you know, take that chance and make decisions, establish those relationships with their, with their service company, whatever that is, it made them finding their next role very difficult. Some actually left the industry because they couldn't find a role. And, you know, you yes. start, you're like, why not? He's a good guy. He's a good girl. Like the good people and all that. But in reality, it's because they haven't, get enough rope for them to mess up. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, right. if you micromanage, you're kind of doing a disservice. Look, I get it. I get why again, but you're doing a huge disservice to people because you're not letting them grow in their own career. Absolutely. And so if something does happen, something gets wrapped up, door shut, whatever that looks like, you're, they're not going to be able to, it's going to be a lot more challenging for them to find a, find their next role. And, and, you know, this is trite, but one of the greatest teachers is making mistakes. Yes. I always tell my daughter, I'm always like, I right. want you to make mistakes. Like, that's how you learn. Like, we're human. You're going to. Everyone makes mistakes, and you should make mistakes. You should want to make mistakes. 
And I, that's why I tell her, because she, you know, kids, you know, they're so nervous about making yeah. mistakes or, you know, disappointing you and stuff like that. But I'm, I encourage it. I encourage mistakes. Yeah, no, absolutely. But, you know, I, back to the micromanaging thing, I've, I've, I've been very blessed in my career. I've only had one boss uh, whose name I won't mention. We don't have to mention It was back early in my career who was the consummate micromanager. Oh. So I know exactly what that feels like and how it makes you feel. Yeah. So I've, you know, since I've, I've got into management in 2009, ever since then, that's been one of my mantras as a manager is, you know, first and foremost, to be able to be in a position to not to micromanage. I'm going to use a, a Lee Boothby, he's a, our old president, uh -huh. CEO oh, of yeah. Newfield, who taught me a lot, right? You got to have the right people and the right seats on the bus. That's right. Right. And then, you know, that way, you know, you can concentrate on managing the bigger picture and not have to sit here and wring your hands and worry about, you know, the details of everything right, to, to use another lead with you saying, or Billy, Timmy and Sally all doing what they need to do. Right. You know, Oh my God, are we still in zoning this? Well, do I need to, you know, be checking, you know, pace on every 10 minutes. Do I need to, you know, do I need to call the GS steer? Do I, you know, I don't have to worry about that. So what happened three years ago to make you change your kind of perception on everything like that? Anything happened or was it just kind of one of those things you just, uh, you're you know, tired of being stressed. That I can't put my finger on. Okay. That. That's, that's a, and that's probably something I need to think about. Uh, but you know, it just happened. I, you know, I think a lot of it. Here, well, that was a good question. So here, here's well, my we thought. Ask, we ask great questions on here, energy. Here, here's my my fly by the seat of my pants okay. thought. Go. Is that early in my career when I worked at Anadarko Petroleum, um, worked for a great guy again. I mentioned him last time. The the Woodrow Call of Geophysics, Richard Hall. Mm -hmm. I worked for him. I started out as an interpreting geoscientist in the Anadarko Basin, right? Okay. So I've made the big circle, right? And here I am, you know, basically in Richard Hall's spot. And he taught me a lot, uh, you know, not only technically, you know, geophysics-wise, but, you know, how to conduct yourself, you know, how to manage people and all of that. And I, and, you know, I think it's part of coming back to some of my comfort zone as far as the, the geology yep. and the understanding, but also coming to the realization that I'm at the point in my career where I can look back and go, Hey, you know, and you know, Richard Hall was one of the people that believed in me early in my career. Cause when I started in Anadarko, I'm getting sidetracked. Here, no, but no, no, no. I, I think this is worth mentioning. When I started in Anadarko in 1990, I was a geophysical clerk. And that's back in the day when I pushed a cart full of nine track tapes. Down right, the hallways. Right. Rolled up colored seismic lines. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I had my bachelor's degree in geology at the time, but I knew I wanted to be an interpreter. Okay. Right. And so uh, I went and got my master's degree with you know, thesis option, the whole nine yards while I worked full time. At Anadarko, and that that required the support of a lot of people. Yeah, right. And Richard Hall was one of those people. Okay, I, I can't speak highly enough of the guy. 
and there was there was many more uh, along the way. But back to your original question, I think it's 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 looking back and the realization of you know of the big circle that I've made back, and again back to the Lee Boothbyism of having the right people and the right seats on the bus. Do you think uh, Lee Hall had any concept or? notion of the impact he had on you from just believing in you? I mean, like being a mentor, I mean, do you think he, uh, do you think he understood the impact he had on your career, your life, stuff like oh, that? Richard? Yeah. Oh, Richard. Absolutely. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. no, no, that's okay. Yeah. Richard, Richard, you see, Richard's got to be gosh, in his mid to late eighties. Okay. Now. He was an old skelly geophysicist. He, he went to OSU. He he served in in Korea. Okay. Then went to OSU, studied geophysics, and then became a geophysicist for Skelly. I, well, I don't. What's Skelly? Skelly. That's that's one of the old old companies. Oh, so it's okay. Yeah. yeah. All so right. Google it when you leave. Oh, you're looking like Skelly. I'm like, what? What, what are you looking at? What was Skelly, Skelly Oil Company? Okay. So, but to answer your question, yes, I he he's a a sharp enough guy, and you know. I think self-aware enough to know that. So I think, I mean, I think there's a lot of that, that he knows that he had a, a great, you think so? On me. Yeah. I, so I think, I mean, I, I the, you know, being, you know, I've been in the industry for 16 years now and uh, there, there's been so many people that have made such a huge impact on my, uh, you know, I, I'm not talking about like career, like gave me a promotion or anything like that, but just kind of like, you know, helped, uh, you know, that, you know, that came in my life that yep. uh, helped mold me to kind of who I am today and kind of, um, you know, teach me the ways or what's, what's important on stuff, you know, going back, you know, Carrick Payton, Kirk Axe and John Murphy, you know what I mean? I, I had right. John Murphy on my podcast recently. It's not released yet, but you know, I don't, and uh, you know, Bubba Smith, I mean, there's people in your, in your, in your, in your, in your career path that, that are so impactful uh, to your personal life. And I think a lot of times they don't understand that. Cause I was talking to John about this. I was like, John, I'm serious. Like, I looked up to you. Like I wanted, I wanted to be you and all this. He's like, Absolutely. what? Really? Yeah. But there's, you don't understand. Like, I'll never be Richard Hall. <laughs> but you probably are. You, you might be to someone right now on your team. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you don't, that's you know, the thing. I, you just don't know the impact that you have yeah. on people. I, you know, I think back to, you know, the support that was the, the company support that was required for me to go back to school. Yeah. And, you know, God bless them back then. I mean, Anadarko paid for my master's degree. Really? Okay. Companies don't do that anymore. I mean, yeah. I was extremely blessed. Did you have to do like a two-year commitment or did the, was that in place back then? No. Uh, I mean, I just, I, you know, the, the opportunity that I had at the time was that all of the graduate level U of H geology classes started at four o'clock in the afternoon okay. and after. Okay. And so on the days where I had four o'clock classes, I would come in early and my boss at the time, Steve Rutherford, who's one of the people who believed in me early on, right? See, I love it. Right, would allow me to go. And so, you know, it, it was it was the timing of the classes. You know, I mean, I've thought about A&M, but at the time I lived in the Woodlands, A&M was far away, and it was just, they didn't have any classes at night. And your so, undergrad was where again? From Stephen F. Austin. Okay, that's right, okay. Yeah, yeah, All from right. Nacogdoches. So, you know, I had just a, a ton of support, uh, Gosh, Neville Henry, Barkley Collins, uh, you know, Ron Bain, uh, <laughs> Mike Cochran, all those, all those guys, you know, saw something in Forrest Gump. <laughs> oh, no, I, mean, I mean, they did, you know, and, you know, everybody has their different opinions of all these people that I mentioned, yep. but, 
I mean, Jim Emmy. Uh, I mean, there's just a ton of people that really supported me and saw they saw something to me that I didn't see in myself. So let me ask you a question. Let's 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 kind of uh, go into this. So what does that mean? They saw something or they believed in you. I mean, was that to kind of uh, taking a little more time to talk to you about kind of projects? What you should be? I mean, kind of well, advice. What was that? I think when I think of that primarily, I think of their support for me um, going to graduate school. Okay. Right. And also helping me sort through what did I want to work for or what, what did I want to do my thesis on and making sure that, um, you know, we were, we were in a consortium with, um, uh, the Rosenseal School of Marine and Atmospheric Sciences on Rift Lakes. Okay. Yeah. We okay. Were, they were studying lakes, right? Um, studying lakes? Studying lakes, right? Because there's a lot of oil fields that were deposited, you know, the sediments were deposited in lakes rather than in a terrestrial or a marine environment. Okay. Right? So uh, they made sure that, you know, I got hooked up with the right people, that I got the data that I needed, Right. And, you know, th- you know, little th- stuff things like, like that, that. but just, but just, you know, taking the time to talk to me, showing interest in what I was doing and, and, you know, just, I mean, you know, supporting me. And because, you know, here's the deal. I was starting out as a geophysical clerk, right? Then I went to technician, right? Then the analyst. And finally, a year before I graduated, Mike Cochran, the V who was, a PhD VP right. of exploration. I mean, pushed to get me moved in out of the out of the technician world into the interpreter world. Did you want to? I guess when when you first got your management role, I mean, what did you? How did you? I guess get your management style, or uh, did you like you know once you got the promotion or something like that? Did you start reading books, or did you you start thinking about people mentors in your past? And you started kind of mimicking. Like, where did you get your your style and how has it evolved throughout the years? But first, well, let's try a little. Uh, I want to get back to. I want to try a little piqual, which is also another Spanish uh, olive. Okay? okay, I wanted to sit in here. So we were in Spain previously, and we're still in Spain. We were in Spain, then we went to Greece for a little bit, and now uh, we caught that flight back to Spain. Excellent. And these are all uh, pressed in what California, Alex said. So right. Okay. All right. Cheers. Here we go. Ooh, I like that. I like that a lot, actually. Very, very smooth and nutty. It is nutty. So this reminds me of all like the the olive oil that you get like over in the old world. You know, you, you dip the bread. This is good. This oh is, yeah, this is yeah. this is this is the good Italian uh Italian restaurant olives. It really is. Pequal. Very good. So. Did you like that? Yeah. I love pecans, and I, I get a hint of pecan. Anyway. Okay. All right. I can taste that. I like that. So, management style, and how Proceed. has it changed? So, to be honest with you, when I was first promoted to manager, it was a fish-out-of-water experience for okay. me. So, here, here were the challenges, is that... And everybody that worked with me, I mean, knows this, and I'm sure they saw it. You know, Mark Allen, if you're watching, or, uh, you know, Greg Craddock. Huge fan of the – both of them are huge fans of the podcast. 
even yeah, <laughs> even 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 John Jassic knows this is that you know when I came to work at Newfield, you know I took a pay cut to go to work at Newfield. It was it was like a badge of honor to get made a job offer at Newfield. Newfield Why? had it was one of the most unique cultures, and I would say the exception rather than the rule. Okay. Okay. Of okay. Corporate cultures. Yeah. Great place. I learned so much from, you know, yeah, yes, people. I learned a lot from John Jassic, you know, Lee Boothby, Alan Donaldson, Gary Packer. Um, I worked with a ton, you know, Kate Hyken. Yes. Right. I mean, uh, Kate, Kate and I worked together offshore early on. She's awesome. Uh, Kate, she's she's one of the best people out there. Kate's top show. Yeah. Um, so I got to work with, I mean, a lot of really, really good people. But I wasn't ready to be a manager. Okay. And How old are you? I'm 59. This turned 59 no. on the 20th. First off, happy birthday. All right. Thank you. Happy guys. belated birthday. But how old were you back then when you got promoted to manager? Oh. <laughs> oh, I bet you made it on now. It's like 45. Okay. All right. Something like that. Okay. Right. So I, you know, I wasn't ready. And, and you know, looking back on the challenge for me was I went from a peer to all these people in yeah. the offshore Gulf of Mexico to being their boss. That's a weird transition that, to have. That was very difficult. That's 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 a weird thing to navigate. That was that was very difficult because there were people who were reporting to me who had less experience, who were very good, right? And there were people who had more years of experience who were very good. So, you know, and I, you know, if I'm, if I'm honest with you, I didn't have a lot of self-confidence as a manager. You know, I was, I was basically thrown into the deep end of the pool. But what I will say is during that process, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about myself. Yeah. Right. And I think that that experience has played a big role in being the manager that I am today. So not having come. So I think that's a, I think that's a great place to stop and, and, and speak to. Lack of confidence, self-doubt, uh, uh, always, you know, uh, that anxiety of expecting the worst outcome when it doesn't come. But you always in your mind, you always think with the worst outcome. That is something that's a serious thing to deal with and to navigate through, especially, you know, whether it's uh Man, I mean, I'm, I'm facing that every day starting this uh, this thing, whether it's um, it's a lot of self-doubt that's going on in my mind right now. There's a lot of uh, second guessing. Are you sure? about? But at the end of the day, I mean, it's either, number one, believe in yourself. Right. Fake it till you make it. Or just kind of step in the shoes. Like, yeah, I, to, to me, it's either fake it, you make it. Um, you know, just go with it. Yeah. You know, just it's okay to wing it. But another thing is, too, it's, 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 it's okay to have that self-confidence, lack of self-confidence, and also to reflect, you know, to... Right. To take on that new role in kind of a, uh, uh, not a cautious way, but kind of like, okay, well, look, I'm in a new role, in new shoes. I'm not going to get everything right. I'm going to make mistakes because I'm human, but you got to be okay with that. Right. You need Absolutely. to be okay with that. And so in that theme on to people who believed in me and supported me, part two is it, 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 it was very interesting because I became the asset manager of the Gulf of Mexico at Newfield in October of 2009. Okay. And <clears throat> prior to that, for about two years, I was a geophysicist. Okay. In the offshore deep water Gulf of Mexico at Newfield. 
a great time. I loved offshore. Fun. Oh my goodness, fun time. Yes. Uh, and and this is one of the highlights of my career. I, I had a my in back in that time. You were as a geophysicist. You were paired with a geologist, and you were responsible for a certain area offshore, and responsible for bringing ultimately bringing forward lease sale opportunities. Okay. So I worked with a guy named Greg Craddock, and I was the geophysicist by title. He was the geologist. But interestingly enough, we kind of switched roles because he was a great wiggle picker and in seismic interpreter. Okay. Okay. And I had the operational background and the interest in, you know, regional geology and all that. So we, it was kind of weird. We switched roles, but we were, we were, we were pretty successful. He and I sold to partners interests in some prospects on a two for one promote. So that means, in other words, you know, if, they bought 50% of the prospect. They paid the other 50% and Newfield got a free ride. Oh, okay. So that, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Right. So that, you know, that was one of the neat, neat things that, that, that came out of my time in the Gulf of Mexico at Newfield. But back to my original point of, you know, people who believed in me part two, right. Is, um, so fast forward to April 20th of 2010. Yep. Macondo. Macondo. So we were drilling what all the geophysicists out there and you, you may even know this. We were drilling an amplitude that was across the way from the auger field, the big shell auger field. Okay. And we were literally, this was an exploration well. In the Gulf of Mexico, we were literally a couple hundred feet away from our target. Macondo happens. We start having hole issues, and Newfield pulled the plug. Okay. Right. During the time, I mean, yeah. I, I, I you yeah. know, it, it killed me, but, you know. That, it's, out that, your, it's out of your uh, sphere of influence. That, that was the right business decision. So, at that point, that's when Newfield really started to, was the beginning and I hate to use this term, but it's true. It was the beginning of the end yep. of the Gulf of Mexico at Newfield. We we're starting to get more into the unconventionals and, you know. And also international too, right? And, and international. Yeah. We were start, starting to, yeah, we had some international things at the time. We had already kind of ratcheted back. Uh, but, you know, domestically on the conventional side, you know, Gulf of Mexico, deep water was it. But, um, you know, at that point, you know, personally, I realized that, you know, I wasn't ready for a management role. Okay. You know, that it was, I mean, I was stressed to the hill. I, I just, you what, know. What, what, was, what was stressing you? Was it, was it the fact that it was this new role? Was it the fact that you have people that have more experience reporting to you? Was it all, you don't want to let your it was superior all, down? All I knew at that time was, I think, I think technically I was, I was very good yeah, and I was a good, I think I was a good salesman. Okay. Right. Which, I can see that. I mean, that, that, that's part of what we do as geoscientists, right? When I go in to Matt Beza, who's our, our VP of, uh, you know, the Anadarko Rockies operating area, 
and we get well approval. I mean, all, we all have to have our sales hats on, right? Yeah. What do we need to show Matt that's going to get him excited to spend $80 million on you yeah. know, drilling yeah. these two cubes, right? So, I mean, there, and I said this before in the breakfast run, putting on your corporate geology hat, right? It's a business, right? We're not here to conduct science experiments. We're yeah. not here to go down rabbit holes. We're here to make money for stockholders. Yeah, right. that's it. So anyway, whew, the wine's kicking in. So um, speaking of that. Well, it's, it's not only is that kicking in, but we're not having any bread with this olive oil, so there's nothing to, to give it that good soak up. The juice is loose. There you go. The juice is the loose. The juice is loose. So back to people who believed in me part two is that, and then Mike Van Horn, who was our VP of exploration at the time. So anyway, we had, this is one of the prospects that we were drilling and we had sold on a two for one basis. Okay. Right. So we were getting a free ride basically. All right. Not basically, we were getting a free ride, you know, just a few feet literally away from our target. Started having no problems. We shut it down. And, you know, I came forward and said, you know, I'm, I need to step back. Cause really? Yeah. It okay. Was, it was and and John, if you're watching this, he knows, I mean, it was, it was affecting my health. Oh, really? So you let, it was scary how stress can do that. It, it's a silent, know, it's, it's a silent and, killer. Yeah. That's, that's the great thing being 59 years old is that, you know, the, I, I don't give a dollar sign what I love that. other people think or whatever. So I'm, I'm, you know, I, you know what? I kind of wish an, I I'm an wish, open book here. I kind of wish people would learn that in their thirties. You know what I mean? You just gotta yeah. stop. You gotta stop caring so much. You yeah. know, what I mean? just be yourself, be happy. But that's it. And, you know, it is what it is. It's the truth, right? So I wasn't ready to be a manager. You know, spreadsheets, budgets, and all that other stuff that I knew absolutely zero about. So you're scared, comfortable with that? Scared me to death. Oh, I didn't know jack squat about any of that. Oh, okay. I thought I knew how to put together a good geologic and geophysical story and sell a prospect, right? Yeah, I, I could have sold. What is it my dad used to say? Ketchup popsicles to women in white gloves. White gloves. Right? Yeah. But I knew, I, you know, I knew what kind of manager I didn't want to be. Yeah. But all the other stuff that went along with it, you know, it, it was very, it was a very uncomfortable time. For okay. Me, just being completely honest with you. So, but, so, so when you got that, when you got the manager role and before you actually had the conversation about this and all the stress and all stuff, what, what was the time frame between those two points? So I was promoted to asset manager in October of 2009. Okay. And then to April, May of 2010. Okay. So like six months, six, eight, seven months, something like months. that. Okay. Okay. It was eight months. So, you know, I came forward and, you know, I admitted, you know, hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not ready for this, for this role. So, again, people that believed in me, part two, Lee Boothby, John Jassick, Gary Packer, the folks at Newfield, yeah. right, there was an opportunity Newfield was starting to get into the unconventional world and being a conventional company, right? And then all of a sudden going to a conventional world, I mean, it's completely different. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, all the stuff you learned in your know, reservoir engineering for conventionals, it doesn't apply. Right. Right. So 
across the board, right? So there was a need to have a, a group, a technical services group that helped find new technologies and to help the company get up the learning curve on the unconventional, on the unconventional. side. So, okay. okay. You know, Mike, Mike Van Horn, Lee, Gary et al. Uh, allowed me to move out of my role from asset manager Gulf of Mexico to being the manager of what I ended up renaming to be geoscience and reservoir technology. Okay. And I think that's, that's where I really started to get my, my legs under me as far as managers, being a manager, I hired some great people. Okay. Right. That, that knew what they were doing. And that's whenever, you know, the old Lee Boothby saying of having the right people in the right seats on the bus, right. Really came home to roost for me because I had fantastic people on I, my team. That comment of having the right people. I remember when I was, uh, when I first got into sales in 2011, I worked at Archer for about six months and I met Bubba Smith and he took me to Austin to meet the, the, the group over at uh, Penergy. Great group, good people, great family. Um, loved working there. Uh, leaving there was one of the toughest decisions of my career, but I remember I was sitting at the table and they were hiring a corporate sales guy. I had six months of sales experience. Like, that's it? You know, it wasn't, you know, you know, sales, right. you don't make a dent. In, and they said the exact same thing. They said, they said look, as, you know, does anything? And my question was, hey, look, you know, with not having much experience, are, are you sure I'm the right person for the role? You know? And they said, so they said, look, we're going this direction. We're on this bus. And we're not hiring positions. We're hiring people. And uh, they said, we want the right people on the bus. That, that sold it to, to me because that makes so much sense. You don't hire positions. You hire people, you know, and you got to have the right people on that bus. Yeah. No, absolutely. Whatever title it is, get the good group together. Yep. Yep. And so, you know, that, that, that really gave me my, as a manager, that really gave me my first boost of confidence. Okay. Right, of, you know, having the Doug Cooks, the Arvin, you know, Harry Keshavanalures of the world, the the Obi Georgievics of the world on my team, all fantastic, had more years of experience than me, yeah. but knew they were subject matter experts in their field. So I didn't have to worry about whether, you know, Obi's gonna screw up a petrophysical evaluation or Doug was gonna screw up a processing flow or, you know, Arvin was going to do something stupid in reservoir engineering. These were all very smart, capable people. Yeah, okay. So, you know, that led me down the path of realizing, hey, you know, part of being a good manager, oddly enough, right, is having good people on your team, right? Because that frees you up to do what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And that's providing the vision and the leadership and meeting each person where they are and helping them get up and to the right, right? Being the best employee that they can be, right? And not, not setting a, a playing field and expecting everybody to have the same strengths and, and be in the same wheelhouse. Was that a weird transition when, I guess when, you know, obviously, you know, when, when you're working, you know, for so many years and the roles on stuff, you're, you know, you're in the, you're in the, you're in the weeds, you're in the details, you're, you're doing the day-to-day -day stuff. And what you said, freeing yourself up to actually not do that, the day-to-day -day stuff, not get lost in the weeds. The guy, was that kind of a, like a, cause I know some people when they get promoted, they still want to kind of, their, their comfort level is kind of, you know, 
getting in the weeds and they still stay in the weeds, you know, and that, right. that's micro, that might lead to micromanagement to whatever like that. But having that uncomfortableness of not getting in the weeds and doing the day to day stuff, was that, was that kind of a challenge for you or was it kind of something that came gradually? No, I'm, it wasn't an uncomfortable spot because for whatever reason, I can't put my finger on it. I was comfortable with the, the technical capabilities of my staff. So I knew that I didn't need to go in and micromanage. But at the same time, my technical curiosity was enough to where in, in starting then and to this day, I go by everybody's office and talk to them. In fact, the team that I manage now, we don't have weekly staff meetings. And the reason why is because I make an effort to go by everybody's office everybody, every day and talk to them and know what they're working on. And, you know, there's that proximity thing, right? A back, back, to the, back, back to the face-to-face, -face, yep. right? We're all in the same corner, right? And I can walk, you know, 25 feet and see everybody I need to see on my team down the hall. Right. And like I said, you know, I'd, you know, it's, it's a great place to be having, you know, the right people in the right seats on the bus. So I'm going to try this fresh basil olive oil right now. All right. So now we're in, now we're in the flavored side. What's up? So you're going to like this. Okay. So this is not so real quick. So what we learned, this is not just olive oil with some basil flavoring added to it. This is the basil leaves were actually crushed Right with the so it's it's part of the process. It's not that, just flavored. That is my understanding from Alec. I think this will be all right. Let's yep. see. I can imagine already. I'm expecting this to be good on pizza. Already. Yo, I love this it. This is good. This is good. Yeah, the, the basil. basil the basil is nice. delicious. Yep. Wow. Very nice. You get a ball of that for the house. <laughs> right. How do you have good days? What's that? How do you have good days? Well, like, tell me about a good, like, what's like, do you have a, any uh, practices or anything like that to kind of get your mind right, get you ready for the, the work office and if something bad happens, kind of readjusting so you're not passing that down to the team? I know it's a random question, but whatever, no, we're having one and all. But no, that, that's okay. So, Here's what I consider a good day Okay, at the office is, you know, uh, being on a development team and we're, we're picking up another rig. So we're going to have three rigs starting okay. January 1st, which okay. is great. Love hearing right? that. And um, I'm particularly proud of my team that we're doing more with less. I'm not getting any extra people. Yeah. Right. I've got that good of a team. Okay. To God. So what I consider a good day is... You know, it's very important as the G&G part of the development program for the Anadarko Basin is for us to have relationships and communication with our reservoir characterization team and with our ops people. Okay. So a good day for me is I call walking the halls. And I've already asked, you know, if, you know Jeremy or Trevor or Stacy anybody who's watching right now on my team, they know I asked them to go down to the sixth floor to the reservoir characterization team at least once, if not twice a week, and walk the halls. Okay. Right? 
establish relationships, stick your head into somebody's office. Hey, what are you working on? Right. And then there's also the expectation of, you know, when we sell a, uh, you know, a, a, a cube to management, mm-hmm. right, to drill, yeah. right, is that we've engaged that we are in lockstep with our brethren and sistren. Is that a word? Yeah, no, that works. And yeah. in, in reservoir characterization that, you know, and we do, I mean, we, we have a really good reservoir characterization team. And so there are things that they've developed, let's leave it that, that we can use, right, to help sell the prospect of management to get them excited about investing in but, it. But right? you have to have those relationships. You got to have those relationships, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And then the same thing with our ops people, you know, with the Bobby West, the the Kate Hikins, the Bruce Darlingtons, you know, the 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 Jack, everybody. Yeah. Bob, you know, all those folks' operations. By the right? way, I was invited to go play golf with Bruce today, but I passed that to, to do this with you for the did, record. Did you tell him that? I didn't tell him anything. I was just invited. I was. I was. Did I was, you tell him that he should be okay with that? Well, I don't have. I wasn't talking to him. I was invited through a second party guy. Uh, yeah, but I said no. I'm. I, I'm. I'm talking to yeah. you today. So right. having some wine and olive oil today. Quick, quick sidetrack. Bruce and I started working together at Anadarko in 1996. Really? So I've known, I've known Bruce for a long time. Yeah. So. I think it's fun watching people's career. So like last night, like, you know, this is kind of a random tangent too. So last night at the, the crew club event, you know, we're all sitting around. I mean, it was great seeing, cause we had people that had been in the industry for, you know, 20 years, you know, or 15 years that have, that have moved up, you know, to whether it's VP ops manager, whatever that is, you know, we had Hank Porter and uh, Bo Clark and, and then, you know, they're VP you know, ops manager level. And then we had Jordan Hess and like Connor Wakeford come by and they're, they're, you know, they're a couple of years in the industry and all stuff, but like, it was good just seeing that mix of people and, and it's good fun watching people's career careers kind of uh, evolve. You know what I mean? So you started to work with Bruce in 96 and now like, Oh, still kind of work. I love, I, I love that about our industry. It, 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 it is a neat thing, right? It, it, and it's, it's cool. Know, it's true. It's a, it's a, it's a small industry. And, uh, you know, like I said, I've been extremely blessed to work with people like Bruce. You need to get to know him. He's, oh, he, but going back Top to shelf. but I mean, you're talking, you're talking about a, uh, you know, relationship. What's a good day for me. Well, yeah, but real quick, I'm, I'm, I'm going to plug uh, Kate Eikens, uh, uh, cause I had her on a previous podcast and she's like, yeah, you know, I, I did every, you know, it was reservoir drilling. Da, da, da. She, she's like, it was so important for me to do that because, you know, if you, if you get siloed in one, in one role, you don't understand what's, what's important to you or what's important to this team. You know, you might be focused on this, but she said, because of the relationships, because she, uh, sat in the seats and all stuff she understands kind of okay well if they're saying that this is going on i need to respect that because this is probably actually you know this you know so like you understand kind of what's driving people's uh uh positions and absolutely yeah and so the, yeah. through the relationships you're not gonna you're not gonna understand that yeah and, and and at the end of the day you know it's it's all about you know what's your risk tolerance identifying the risk and what's your risk tolerance and then only making the most money getting as much oil in the tank as fast as you yeah. can for the company yeah. right so Circling back to where we're what's a good day yeah. for me, right? So there's that relationship with, you know, the RC group going down, talking to those guys, you know, pulling out innovations that they've come up with that we can jointly present together, right, yeah. at these well approvals. And then, you know, to your, your point about Kate and her group is having that strong relationship because not only do I manage the G&G uh, 
technical reviews and well process approvals for the Anadarko, right? I'm the the GIS steering team that not only steers, you know, the Anadarko wells, right? They also steer the Permian wells okay. and the wells in Uinta. So those guys report to me. So, you know, I've got this development piece over here. You know, do we want a TD into this fault? You know, do we want to land in this fault? Right. 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 I got to be able to communicate and understand, you know, Bobby West's concern or Thomas Frank's concern about fracking, uh, drilling or landing, you know, in this, right. in this particular zone. And at the same time, you know, I've got to be able to, um, you know, keep those, you know, keep those relationships going and, the, and the, those discussions going to, you know, make the right business decisions, right. And the right recommendations yeah. to, you know, to management. So a good, a back to, back to the original question, a good day for me is when I've gone down to RC, let's say we're in the middle of getting ready for a, a well approval. Review. Okay. I go down there, I circle up with all the people who we're going to be working with on that well approval. Then I go by and I see John of Spain. By the way, I'm his brand. John, I'm, I am your self-appointed brand manager <laughs> and right agent. Going by and, and talking to John of Spain and making sure we're all on the same page yeah. and we've all identified and see the risks the same way. You know, Communication, relationships, absolutely uh, goals, visions, targets. Absolutely. Yes. But just, you know, as an example, that is a good day for me. Two days away from well approval. I get all that done. I've got, you know, Richard Brito in RC bringing some things forward. Our geologists are working with him. Our geologists are working with the steers, are working with the drilling engineers who are talking to the completions people. That's a good day for me. When you're seeing that you're seeing the whole organism work together. Exactly. I love that. Okay. All yeah. right. So you get home. So what so what's your afternoon like? You get, you get to the house. I mean, you you, you start uh what watching the Franklin uh YouTube to get some more tricks and <laughs> tips on uh, what is that what does your afternoon look like? <laughs> the the first thing I do when I go home is uh generally I uh you know I'll go get changed in my comfy clothes and I'll you know, sit in my uh, sit in my chair and just visit with the wife. Okay, catch up, all right. Catch up with her day. Uh, you know, she's you know stay at home mom. We have just you know the twelve year old mom, and so you know catch up on all that. And of course, we have our mother in law living with us, and so you know we're looking after her. Uh, you know, catch up on all those things associated with those things, and uh, you know basically just relax and. Him, are you doing any shows right now? What shows you? Y'all you know, watch shows together or not? You know what we we really don't watch a lot of television. Okay. You know we really don't. Uh, I'm probably I don't have a big variety of TV shows that I watch, but my variety is probably a little bit more diverse than my wife's. Okay. She she loves uh, you know the D D Y. Uh, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah all the, those are know, addicting to watch. Even though I never do anything, even though I don't do anything like that, those are that. they're addicting to watch. Yeah. Well, here, here's a funny story. So, I can remember my son, uh, my 19 year old yep. son, who's over at AM right now. So, thinking back when he was 14 years old, he'd have a buddy come over, and they would sit there on 
the computer and watch other kids play video games. That's what my daughter does. Okay, and I'm sitting there going, this is the it most- makes no sense. This is the most stupid thing I've yes. ever seen. And then one day it dawns on me, and I actually heard a comedian say something about this. Well, as adults, we sit there on you know, these home buying shows and watch people buy houses. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. <laughs> so, it's all silly. What you know? I, when you think about it, where you're at mentally, age-wise, I, you know, is there really any difference? Not really. You know, Not right. House Hunters no. International. You're watching some guys go to, you know, or to. We, we do cooking shows. We'll watch like baking dessert shows. That's a great point. So it's like, hey, Evelyn, what are you doing watching that Minecraft YouTube thing? And here we are. Like, let's let's put on nailed it. Yeah, yeah, it's silly. Yeah, no. So it's uh, you know it, it affects us adults and uh, and the kiddos. All right, what do we got? We got the Meyer lemon. Okay. What? So I, I feel um, like before every one of these, like you have like a you have a, a, a I've, warning I've a, to tell me. No, no. This this is a story. So you know this back to our our first time to you know Napa when we did the right you know the, the Olive Orchard. <laughs> so we get back to Houston, and over the course of the next month, there's all this stuff showing up. Oh, gosh. Cases of wine, cases of Meyer lemon olive oil. Like, how much do we so, spend? So, <laughs> well, that goes back to my point about our livers threatening to divorce us. I mean, and it's just like I told Alec, I tip really well after a couple of bottles of wine, right? <laughs> It was amazing. So we had all of this infused olive oil, Meyer lemon olive oil. Because oh, when you're there, you're like, oh, we're going to totally get into this when we get back in. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, so, this is us now. I, you know, it's, it's probably the, the GDP of a small African nation. <laughs> Literally, you know. So anyway, so the, the Meyer lemon reminds me of that. So, no, or the uh, having a couple of, a couple of glasses of wine and you're like, oh, let's, let's get a couple of cases of this, honey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Ooh, I like it. It's very subtle. I got to say. Very the, citrusy. This one and the Not last one have been my favorite so far. That basil was good. That would be good on pasta. This, but the lemon's good. So what would, I guess, seafood, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Seafood are a part of you know, making a dressing, I guess. So I've wanted a sous vide brisket. I know that's not very, um, Yeah. Okay. Sous vide, yeah. So let's talk about that. So I don't know much about it. So I love sous vide. Okay. So I, I I'm not judging. I'm not. No. Look, a sous, have you ever had a sous vide steak? I have not. Okay. All right. I'm not even gonna get it's. I won't have steak at steakhouses anymore just because the the, the way I cook my steaks is just phenomenal. It's, it's sous vide. So you know what sous vide is? I'm assuming. I, I did. Yes. Yeah. So I was I was kind of like flipping through the app and it's like I saw brisket. I was like, you can sous vide a brisket, but it's like a 36-hour sous vide. Like, you have to leave it in it. Pretty much you just set it and forget it for 36 hours. I've never done it, but the way the chicken comes out, the way the steak comes out, the way – I'm willing to bet that it's going to be phenomenal. Actually, you know what wouldn't be a bad idea? It wouldn't be a bad idea getting a brisket or getting two briskets or something like that, getting together. You can do your famous uh, whatever. I can do this, and you can add a little smoke to it and all that stuff. We'll just have, a, have some people over from, uh, from a vent and hang out. We'll have a little brisket off. We'll get Tyler. We'll, oh yeah, he'll be the ultimate judge. But he has to. But it, but it has to be. We have to follow like the the rules though. 
so I'm in. If we submit it, it has to change hands four times, and he can't know who it's from. We'll be a little brisket off. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll have. I used to love smoking meat when I was living in Katie and all that stuff. Like I had a smoke and all that stuff. It was really fun. I mean, it was it was just sit there and watch the temperature. I really enjoy. I got into it. I made yeah. some really great turkeys. You got to brine it first. I really liked it. I really liked it. But you know, move back in the city. We don't have a yard. Right. We don't have a grill. So sous vide life for me, man. That's it. Yeah. So so let's talk about the brisket. Okay. Tell, tell me more about the. There's the nothing. Brisket. That's all. I, I've never made a brisket. I have never made a brisket. Is that oh, disappointing? So you were suggesting. I was suggesting we do something like that. <sighs> okay. Yeah. No, I've, I haven't had it. But I'll tell you one thing. I can do a steak, and I swear it'll be probably one of the best steaks you've had. And that's a bold statement. I know it's a bold statement, but I'm confident in my in my claim. Well, let me get with Tyler and let's strategize on how we want to make this happen. We almost wrapped Tyler's house last night. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> It was so, oh, like, so he's in Costa Rica. All right. And uh, Jordan Hess, I guess, goes by and feeds the cat or something like that. But we had this great idea last night around 10 p.m. that we're going to go get some toilet paper and we're going to wrap his house. When he gets back, he's got a surprise. So we didn't do it, unfortunately. Um, my wife kind of talked me out of it, so it was a bad idea. But it's not off the table. But we should probably talk to Tyler about getting, getting, getting a little, uh, not a competition, just kind of just doing, doing, no, getting I, people together. I, hey, I'm, I'm in. How long does it take you to do your brisket? You know, when I, when I first started adhering, when I first learned how to cook a brisket without screwing it up, you know, it was, you know, for a 15, 16 pound brisket, it was probably eight hours. Okay. But going from, Six, seven years ago to now, studying some of the Central Texas pitmasters, particularly Roy Perez. I love how you like research it. I, I, I love when people find hobbies they dig it like that. Roy Perez, when, when you go to Christ's Market in Lockhart, they, they cook their briskets in like three and a half hours, direct heat. Okay. Right. So now I can take, I'll cook at three, 325, and I can have a, 15 pound brisket done in six hours. So why, so why is brisket your go-to? Is it just one of those things that's like, it's one of the most, cha- is it cha- is it, I'm assuming it's challenging to perfect. It, it, it's challenging, right? So and and it, that's where really barbecue got its start because, you know, back in the old days, same way with fajitas, right? It was kind of the, you know, the brisket's the big muscle right here on the, on the cow and it tends to be tough. Yeah. Just like, you know, the skirt steak, the yeah. fajitas. And so, you know, all these, you know, vaqueros years and years ago figured out how to, you know, how to cook this meat and make it edible. Yeah. Right. So a, a brisket tends to be one of the more toughest cuts of meat. Okay. Right. And so, you know, cooking it, making sure the fat is rendered properly, you know, keeping your temperature stable. Uh, one of the big things that I learned from, um, from Aaron Franklin was just taking a pan of water and, and I, I use a horizontal smoker with a firebox. Okay. Taking that pan, that made a lot of difference. Taking that pan of water and putting it in there, it heats up and it keeps the moisture up. Right. That makes sense. That, that was a big deal for me. And I'll tell you the, the latest step for me in cooking brisket. I used to wrap in foil. Yeah. Right. I don't wrap in foil anymore. I use uncoated butcher paper. Real. Okay. Yeah. And you're sitting there thinking, oh, my God, this thing's going to dry out. But the butcher paper 
the, I guess the. Where did you learn this? The, did you something you came up? With, you learned on? Uh, no, no, no. This is this is come. This is a this is an Aaron Franklin deal. I want to hear. I want to hear about the Matt's deal. I want to hear about something that you've done that. Uh, you know, I re- I really can't claim any innovations. Um. You know, as far as I've, you know, like I said, I, you know, first started out following Aaron Franklin's basic okay. suggestions, right? Um, and then he does the same thing. I mean, he all his briskets are not wrapped in foil; that the you know they're wrapped in uncoated butcher paper. And and what that does, it it keeps the moisture in, right? Using the permeability there we go hey bring it back in yeah very geo of you the permeability of the (laughs) uncoated butcher paper yeah it's such that it it keeps the juices in but you know part of the reason for wrapping the brisket is you don't want to over smoke it yeah because you get that real acrid yeah you know that that just ruins the meat right so the wrapping it in the uncoated butcher paper still allows it to cook allows it to stay moist and it still helps get it it slows the 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 smoke penetration okay so to where it doesn't over smoke it and you don't end up with all of your your juices and i'm what here here's what here's my next step bring it in here's my next step all right we're talking about a and m while ago okay right I want to go, and, and Aaron Franklin recommends this. In fact, he's one of the instructors. If you, at A&M, in the meat science department, they have, I think it's either a two- or three-day course you go to, and you talk to everybody and listen to everybody from, you know, practical folks like Aaron Franklin who do it for a living and, you know, trimming a brisket all the way down to the actual science of the physical and chemical this changes right that up the your meat this is right up your undergoes alley. as it is heated up all the way from the breakdowns of the proteins to the rendering of the fat what a smoke ring really is we're going to do this a smoke ring is not really a smoke ring go on no go on it according to the guys over at AM, that it is a reaction of the proteins in the meat on the outside to the heat. Okay. The heat causes a change in the proteins, which in turn cause the meat to change that color. It's not really a smoke ring. In other words, it's not the actual smoke penetrating that's the meat. That's what I've always thought, yeah. That's what I read. That's what that's what they say. That's what the prof- that's that's what the, uh, the the professors say. But not, nonetheless the so anyway, the latest big, back to your question, the latest big thing for me is wrapping an uncoated butcher paper. What's your go-to barbecue sauce? Do you use barbecue sauce for your brisket? You know, I've, I finally come to the realization that barbecue sauce was invented because there's bad barbecue. So as a for I instance. I respect that. I'll, I'll, I dig that. I'll, I'll back up Let's here get a little into bit. It. I'll, I'll, I'll crawfish a little bit, but let me tell you this story. If you go to Christ's Market, in Lockhart, Roy okay. Perez, pitmaster there. They don't serve barbecue sauce. Their mantra is, you know, our barbecue is so good it doesn't need sauce. Okay. And they, they don't serve sauce. Now, I will say this. For you folks out there who like barbecue sauce on your barbecue, and, you know, hey, I'll be the first to admit 
if I make me a sliced beef sandwich or chopped beef, I'll put some barbecue yeah. sauce. Okay. Okay. What the hell? Right. The best that I found out there is called Head Country, and it's made in Oklahoma. Okay. You can find it at H-E-B, Head, H-E-A-D, Country. Okay. And there's, and, okay, by the time, I'm going to get around to bass fishing here in just a little bit. Here we go. So, you you and I will go. So, there's a lot of folks in the oil field out there that know are familiar with the Kilgore area. There's a place called the Country Tavern. Okay. Okay. Now, I think I've 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 mastered or getting close to mastering cooking brisket. Um okay at ribs and I'm still working on chicken. Okay. Right. So ribs I've heard is tough too. Rib ribs are tough. Yeah. Right. And, and it's a completely different process and just like the chicken. And I then mean, if it falls off the bone, that's apparently not good in judging. That is that is not good. That is not good. I didn't know that until I was judging. Yeah. So just real quick, it made me think of back to in my competitive days. Andrew, my son-in-law and I, we wouldn't even enter ribs. I think we entered ribs once, but we never touched chicken. We only did brisket. Okay. Right. Just because we were, we were, I think the maybe the last two we did ribs, they were okay. Right. Chicken we never touched. Now, my buddy over in San Antonio, right, Richard, he makes the best competition grade smoked chicken ever. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, that he's an expert across. I'm, like getting, I'm getting hungry right now, by the yeah. way. So anyway, so the country tavern, it's been in business since the 1930s. It's just what it is. It's in the country. All right. And it's a tavern between Tyler and Kilgore, an old East Texas oil field. And they are known for their ribs. And I've eaten ribs in Kansas City and in Memphis, Tennessee, supposedly at the, the places the where ribs, the capital barbecue the, the ribs, rib capital, yes. ribs capital, bro. And those don't touch the country tavern. Okay. Ribs. Okay. So, so we'll go sometime. I would honestly, I'm down for that. That'd be a fun road trip. That'd be a great road you, trip. You and Tyler, let's go. You get John too. You no, know, we could we could do a podcast from the Country Tavern. Why don't we do that? Sweet. I like no, I'm saying I think that'd be fun to do a, a podcast and having barbecue and just and a road trip. Around. Yes. Yeah. Um. But anyway, so back to the barbecue sauce thing. The best, you know. I mean, and it's it's like we're talking about a while ago. You know, going wine shopping, your eyes start doing this, right? Going car shopping. Yeah. I mean, just like anything, barbecue anything, sauces. Yeah. Barbecue sauces, I mean, you've got, it's analysis paralysis. It's, it's the same thing. But the one that I found that is closest to my favorite barbecue sauce, which is from the Country Tavern, which you don't need barbecue sauce for the ribs, by the way. Okay. But my one of my buddies, who's a friend of Richard Hall's, uh, Danny Wilson loves the Country Tavern, and he's he has spent years trying to reproduce they're barbecue. That's sauce. a fun process, though. It's a fun process, and and let me tell you, he's came really close. Okay, he's came really close. But back to the country tavern, hands down, hands down, the best room. That's the, that's the, that's the place you got to stop at. Hands down, when you're on the road. 
And it's a neat place, not only because of its history, but, you know, on a Friday and Saturday night, they still move the tables. They'll have the dance floor, have the jukebox going. They have the So it's, a, it's a community gathering at, at, on certain times. Yeah. Yeah. In, in a way. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it's a, it's an icon. It's I like mean, Armando's in Houston you know, on Thursday. J, you know, W. George W. has been there. You know, J.R. Ewing's been there. Everyone stops. Yeah. You know, but really for ribs, like I said, you know, my, my daughter and son-in-law lived in Memphis. So we went to... Uh, one of the best, you know, rib places in Memphis. Country Tavern for the win. Country Tavern. Okay. All right. I, I think that'd be fun to do a, a show up there. And and back to your point about, you know, oh man, the meat fell off the bun. Well, we, guess what? When you're when you're cooking competitively, judge pulls your rib out and it falls off the bun. You're done. But uh, here's the, I like it when it's like that. But I, I but there there's rules. You got to respect the rules. Right. But Country Tavern. Has that you you take a bite? It's a clean bite. It's smoky. It's got a little God. bit of sweet All to right. it. Clean bite, and it just it's a slap your mama kind of experience. I'm kind of not. I kind of want to change or your the sub. Whichever you mother in law. Mother in law. Okay. She's closer. Yeah. Okay. I kind of want to change. I'm getting hungry right now. So I'm just like even thinking about this. Okay. I do dig the sauce, the mustard sauce at Rudy's. Not Rudy's. Um, Truth Barbecue. I'm assuming you've been to Truth. You know, here here's the thing. So earlier when we were talking about, you know, we used to have our place out in the hill country and we always went that way, right? It was one oh five, you know, to two ninety and yep. seventy one yep. to you yep. know through south. Seventy one you take that. a right one two was I think it's two ninety again. Every time, you know, we would go usually go out there on a Friday afternoon, so it'd be around maybe two o'clock, there was the grocery sack on the door. We're out. I've never been to truths. Really? I have not. Okay. So That's got to change. Apparently, I need to go. We got to figure something out. We need to figure something out. Put in out. the books right. before Christmas. Are you a big Christmas guy? Absolutely. You have the lights up and all that? Oh, dude. Go so, on. Here, speaking of where you're at in your career, right? You know, we've all had different careers or different types of oh, careers yeah. in our life, right? And our work career, right? Our yard work, our painting or remodeling, you know, so I used to do the lawn, right? I've laid tile, I've replaced blower on the inside AC unit, right? But I'm to the point now. You're, yeah. I just pay for everything. I can get someone else to do it. And as, as far as the Christmas lights on the house, I felt bad. Ever since we moved out to Montgomery out in the country, I felt bad because I don't I don't do well on heights. See, Kim, and we we may get to the to the story about this, Napa Valley here okay, in a minute. Okay, but I'm I'm not a heights person, right? Not that isn't where we are physically, but just you know, yeah, high elevations on like how, By the way, I like how you clarified that. Well, just I just want to make sure because <laughs> we had some listeners here. Yeah, I mean, let me sidetrack here for a minute. I love coming down into Houston. Um, you know, one of the things that Kim and I used to enjoy um, before we got so busy was coming down into town, right? And so I'm looking, we, this next April, we have a reservation. We've reserved through Verbo a garage apartment down in Montrose. Fun. For the weekend. And we're just coming down from up, up there in Montgomery. We're coming down in town. A little staycation. 
little staycation. And so it's, it's within walking distance of all the funky shops. In I West did Tyler. that. So, you know, we, we love to do that. So I, I love this part of town. In fact, my, another rabbit hole down a rabbit hole, my, my grandparents lived here in the late 50s and 60s. So let me tell you a cool story about that. So my grandfather retired as uh, vice president of personnel. This is before we had human resources or HR. It was personnel. Employ- yeah, yeah, personnel right. of Southern Pacific Railroad. So his office was in what downtown, what used to be the old Southern Pacific building, had that really awesome retro Southern Pacific sign on top. Okay. It's, it's now condos, I think. Okay. But the building's still there. Oh, so, on the east side, east downtown, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. And so, there's a there's a picture of me that I actually saw the other day. So, my grandfather and grandmother used to own the lot there at the corner of Gray and Shepherd in the late fifties and early sixties. Right they now. had a townhome, and my grandmother, nanny, she. Oh my, my god, my that's grand, a great area. My grandmother raised me. So, uh, I could, I can remember her. She, she passed in '04, not too long after Kim and I got married. Uh, but I can remember in the nineties, she lived to be 95, but I can remember in the nineties, you know, I lived down here and was telling her about, you know, talking about how Houston's growing and all that. And this is my, my grandma. She's like, well, shit. I told Leon we should have hung on to that. <laughs> and now there's, I think, a Lamadeline there. Oh, yeah. No, I know. Oh, so it was right there. Yeah. Yeah. That whole shot. That's, yeah, that's the original River Oaks yeah. shopping district. So I'm, right there. And I told her, I said, Nanny, I said, you're right. I wish you would have. <laughs> I wish you would have. I mean, that's that. right there. That's next to, uh, you know, you got the B19 right there. You got the Barnes Noble right there. That was, that was a good spot. I mean, even. But, but, but go back to the late 50s, early 60s. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was. You know, a, a good part of town, but who knew that would? Uh, um, yeah. Who knows? I mean, that's the thing. Just like, just like East, that's the thing. Like, I, but I love looking at historical like photos, like Houston, just kind of seeing what's changed. And I that, that historical, like, I love the history. His, oh, thank you. I remember my dad. So I grew up uh, Houston. Till I was eight. My parents lived here and all that stuff. And they said across from the gallery, you know, where DSW is and all that stuff. That was all oh, yeah. cows. Like, oh that yeah, was a, that was a cow pasture. Yeah. And obviously you hear, you know, I-10 being two-lane highway, rice rice fields out there. Now look at, now. I mean, now there's that, what, Jordan Creek or Jordan or whatever, and that's, what, like 50 miles outside of Houston. Yeah. And that's a suburb now. So it's it's, it's insane. Absolutely incredible. You know, Kim and I lived in the Woodlands. Um, gosh, well, I lived in the Woodlands for 21 years. And in 2011, we decided that we were ready to get out and, out in the country, get yeah. some acreage. And so we moved up to a rural subdivision halfway between uh, Conroe and Montgomery. And, and, you know, one of the few times in my life where things have worked out, after we signed the contract on that house, Newfield, where I was working at the time, was still down at Greenspoint. And I got my head wrapped around, well, it's going to be an hour drive to work. Well, two weeks later, after we signed the contract on the house, they announced they were building the headquarters. The Woodlands. Three, six, three, six, yes. three, no more, huh? Three, six, three, no more. I was in the same building with Penergy. Anyway, um, you know, Houston is busting north and busting west. Yes. And I can tell you within the last four years, 
if I'm not at the T intersection of the country lane that I come out of a neighborhood, the 2854 by 630, I'm in line for 20 minutes. That's brutal. It, I mean, it's absolutely absolutely crazy at, at how much. And here's another statistic. that you, It was the year before last, I believe. You know what the number one fastest growing city in the United States was? Hold on, don't let me guess. What year? How long ago? Year before last. So 2019. I'm just gonna throw out Fulcher. Conroe. Oh my gosh, that's right. Conroe. I remember driving through Conroe, like in the highways you go down to two or yeah. you know, four or whatever, past the woodlands. That's like a, a 16 lane highway now. It's insane. Oh yeah. It's yeah. absolutely insane. Well, you know, when I first moved here in 88. What's bringing everyone to Conroe? What's that? What's bringing everyone to Conroe? Well, I just, it's, it's all part of that Houston moving north. And not only do you have that, but you also have people, you know, that are in Houston. And, you know, really COVID is really spurred. I was talking to a real estate buddy of mine. COVID, for whatever reason, has really spurred people to uproot out of the city and, and move out. Right. And so combination of the of the two. But yeah, I mean it's it's I mean it's insane. So absolutely you, insane. So that weekend you got you and your wife are down here. You and Kim are down here. What's y'all's plans? Are y'all are you a restaurant guy? Are you I'm a, a, I'm a restaurant guy. And so the rest of the new restaurant that we want to try is called Weights and Measures. Yes. Okay. All okay. right. Yep. Uh we saw it on uh some one That's of the been around for a couple of years. One of the one of the food networks. Yeah, it wasn't a diners, drive-ins, and dives things. It was something else. But um, anyway, it sounds like our kind of place. So we're going to, that's going to be our new, um, well, dude, there's some good stuff. check out. I'll tell you where you're going to check out. You're right down the road from Georgia James. Have you where? Been, Georgia James. Have you been there before? I have not. All right. After this, we're going to write this down. I'll text it to you. Georgia James. You're going to really enjoy that place. Okay. It's, it, it's a nice, like a, a date, a date night. A day okay. night with the missus. Yeah, it's cool. it's good. It's a it's a huge. I think I think it's who's the chef that owns all these plates. Anyway, he's a Houston chef, and he opened up. George. I haven't been there since uh since it reopened after you know the lockdowns all stuff. But it is a really good steakhouse. Highly recommend it. Oh really? It's a cool spot. You you're gonna like that steakhouse. Yeah, steakhouse. Oh, it's good. Look, I mean, you, you know, you got Papa's, you got B and B's. Those are like. High-end yeah. house. This is still high, but it's it's, and, it's got its own Houston flair. And speaking for the miss that she's in, I mean, we 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 go out. I'm I'm a huge seafood guy. Okay, huge seafood guy. So when we go to one of our favorite steak places there in the woodlands, you know, she's she she's a steak gal. She loves her steak, but but I'll I'll get the I'll be the seafood. I've switched to seafoods lately since I started. I'm, I'm being serious. Since I started yeah. sous vide and steaks, I'll switch. I mean. I'll switch to seafood when I go to steakhouses. I'll just I'll get a, I'll get the fish. In fact, ooh, that reminds me. Tonight I've got dinner with a friend of mine at True Lux in the Woodlands. Lucky, yes. I love True Lux. Sea bass all the way. The stone crab claws. Oh, so True Lux mm -hmm. is such a good spot. Nothing like it, man. I forgot about that. Oh, tonight you forgot about that tonight? Well, hey, you're starting off right. I'm starting you're off. Starting right. off right. Okay, well, I, got, I got that. I got. I, we're on blood orange right now. Oh, okay. Okay, give me a story about blood orange. Of course, okay. I love how you have stories about olive oil. That's so, how oil field you are. You know, you're into all oil. All, all, all oils. All oils. All oils. Essential oils. Essential oils. <laughs> Indeed. So, you know, back to my story a while ago about all of a sudden, all of a sudden, these boxes of all this stuff start showing up. We had more 
Meyer lemon olive oil it's and good. blood orange olive oil then should be allowable by law. I mean, we gave so much of that. I mean, I, th- I think I'm not really a citrus in a, in a, in a whatever, but I'm, I'm, I've dug the lemon and I'm smelling this. It smells yeah. pretty good. Hold, hold, hold your judgment. I always hold my judgment. Oh, that's cool. I like that. That's good. That's real good. I think it's my favorite so far. I think the bait. Oh, never mind. Aftertaste. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna change my judgment. I don't. I'm not a fan of this. I'm not a fan. Is it, I like get, the basil you, and the lemon. It's a little you, bit too hard at the end. You get the bitter. Yeah, at the end. See, I like that. Okay. Well, it's okay to disagree about things <laughs> and still be friends. It's okay for that. We were talking about that earlier, weren't we? Yes. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. We absolutely. We don't have to go down that rabbit hole. We're on a good. No, we're, we're, not, not we're, not, we're not going down to that rabbit. So, um, how so much you, time we got so, left? We really got left, man. We've been talking for an hour and forty. This is probably about twenty minutes longer than most of them, but I'm 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 enjoying this. We okay. still got one more thing of look. After this, after this, then we'll wrap it up. How about that? Okay, does that work? Okay. Yeah, no, that's that, that's so fine. You, so, so who you got dinner tonight with True Lux? A buddy I, of yours? Yeah, a buddy of mine. A little double yep. date? Yeah. Nope. Nope. Just yep. which is you and him? Yep. Just me and him. Oh, bros yeah. are out. <laughs> bros are out. Don't, yeah, don't, don't, pull, don't pull my man card. So you, uh, don't pull my man card. So I, I've noticed like lately in my life, like I'm an early dinner guy. Like if it's 5.30 or 6, I'm all about it. If people want to go to dinner at 7.30, I'm like, that's so late. I can't do a 7.30 dinner. Well, and here, here's one of the things. The older you get, the more you appreciate that. I just love an I early dinner. I still think back to the Seinfeld where, where um, Jerry's dad, Morty, was saying, you know, talk. You know, they were talking about going to dinner at 4.30. I, I get it. Yeah, and Jerry's like, idea. I'm not forcing myself a steak and salad at 4.30 in the afternoon to save $2.99. That was a great Jerry impression. Let, let, let me, it was, that was okay. a great Jerry impression. Cool. Um, but I'm all about this. Our, our oh reservation's at 5. I, I find that if I eat late, I don't sleep worth a damn. Well, and also, like, I want to be, be in my jammy jams watching TV or doing something at like 7.30 or 8 o'clock at night. Staying out, like I don't get it. I remember, I remember walking into, uh, so I went up to a college station a couple years back. It's like a whatever, like a eight years ago, like 32, 33, whatever. We're up there, a couple frustumers, a couple sales cats. We walk into like corner bar at like 10 p.m. and it's empty. And I'm like, where is everyone? The lady, like the girl behind the bar, she's like, no one goes out till like 12. I was like, at night? Like what the. That is so late to me. You know what I mean? Like, I remember back in the day, we used to get to the bars at like six to get the good real estate. You know what I mean? So you yeah. see people coming in. No, but, yeah. but I can't, like, that's that's insane. Like, staying out to last night till 1130 with, uh, with, I have to, it's the Young Bucks. You know what I mean? But it's like, I'm ready for bed. I'm not, I'm ready to get oh, no. cozy by like 9 p.m. We, My wife and I went on a double date with a, I'm there. With a, with a, a friend, friends of ours and all that stuff. Like, hey, you know, we're, we're dropping the kids off at this church, you know, parents night out. Problem is, Drop-offs at 4, so can we do like a 4.30 dinner? And my wife and I were like, hell yes. This is, hey, we're, we're in. I'm picking up what you're putting down. I'm all about that life. I'm okay. I'm comfortable saying that. I'm all yep. about that. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Salute. Salute, man. This has been a good time. Yep. Old Vines Infidel. Yeah, tonight I got to go uh, to that uh, oil uh, and Gatsby uh, uh, 
thing. Yeah, you were telling me about that earlier. Yeah, it's like this little uh, black tie thing, and uh, it's uh, it's gonna be a good little. I, I think it's gonna be a good little group. It's uh, in Houston, so we're gonna we're gonna go. I think it's like a casino night. I, whenever it's a casino night, I never go to the tables. I'm not a gambler. Are you a gambler? I never. I, I like, used to be, but I'm not. My wife and I we got married in Vegas. We didn't go to the tables once. You know what I mean? We'll go to Gold Nugget. She'll go gamble, but I I like people watching. I'm not a gambler, and all, so we'll go tonight. But it'll be more socializing than anything. All right. And then we got a little. Uh, my microphone. It's right there. And then we got a little uh, play date on a on a Saturday. We we got a we got Evelyn this uh, this weekend. And then we got uh, taking the uh, mother in law to a brunch. And I was throwing. Where out, are you gonna go? Well, I was throwing out some uh, some middle middle options like oh let's go to this uh, low key place. Or I casual hear place. that Weights and Measures has an awesome brunch. Well, I'm down for that. <laughs> but, my, but before we start recording, my wife texts. She's like. What about Rainbow Lodge? I'm like, oh, God, come on, man. Ooh, times are tough. What was it, 63? I don't want to do this. Ooh. Was it 68 now or something like that? Yeah, 68. Yeah. I, I haven't checked this morning. I know. I'm over checking. I don't do that stuff. I still do. I check every morning. As soon as it opens up, I check. Well, it's a habit of checking, but I try not to let it sit with me. Yeah. You, you can't. Then you start thinking. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that. Don't overthink. So y'all restaurant people. So you're never. So if you want, I, I'll show. I'll, I'll send some good uh, seafood place and all that stuff for you and Kim to go out to. There's Great. some good spots. We can tag up for. Uh, when are you doing this? April Fool's Day. April first. April 1st. 1st. Okay. Yep. Yep. All right. We're rounding down. Let's uh, let's have a cocktail. I think it'd be fun here. Yeah, we can do it here. We can, we can start off here, and I can tell you, I can tell you right now that I think we get some old Kim, old Kim old would vine. Kim would enjoy this. It some would, old vine. This this would take her back to the whatever olive orchard we went to in twenty in twenty eleven. So, is Napa worth it? You know what it was. We we had a great time. We you know we flew into Sacramento, rented a car. It was an easy drive, um, and that was the first time that we'd ever, as a couple, had ever gone to any you know type of wine country vineyards. Yeah, like I'm. I don't know. Like you it's. Know? It, Trust me, every I have never talked to one person and said they had a bad time there. But it's one of those things where it's like, I don't like, I'm not really like, it's not like on the top 10 places to go in the U.S. But apparently if you go, it's an ultimate blast. It's, it's a great time. So, you know, one, one, one of the. Yes. We got the hullabaloo. Is that your son? That's Aggie Warham. I know, but is that your, I'm assuming that, is that your son? Is that, is that, is that your ringtone? It's my son. Yeah. I'm going to have to call him back. Sorry, Noah. I love that. I yeah. think my dad had the same one for me when I was, when I was at A&M. Yeah. So, so let, 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 let I got to get this out. So I'm a huge college football fan. Okay. So I got tickets to the A&M Bama game. Okay. And so it has been a long time since I've had that much emotional swing in one day. So sun's over there. So I'm, I'm driving over for the game in blissful resignation and we're playing Alabama. We're going to get our asses handed to us. It's a beautiful day. I'm going to be at Kyle field. That's all. Yeah. I'm good. So right? it sounds like a pretty standard. Every Aggie's feeling about that. Okay. That day. So, okay. Okay. There I am. So at halftime, I go from that to sheer terror because you never go into the locker room beating Nick Saban and him not come out and right. kick your butt. Right. Right. So I'm terrified. 
so terrified. In fact, I have to get up and go down to the 100 mezzanine level and walk. You have to pace? I have to pace. You, I, I couldn't, I couldn't you take had, it. You, was that, okay. All I right. couldn't take it. All right. So <laughs> it just so happens, I mean, you know, every once in a while in my life, you know, the plants align. So I'm at the 100 mezzanine level on the stand side of the uprights whenever he kicks the, the winning field goal. You were there? So you removed yourself from the situation. You couldn't take it. You had to do a little pacing. And you watched what you oh, watched. I'd, I'd stop and, you know, take Peek a peek, in, but not too watch, long. but yeah. you know, and and you know, look at the screens, but it was just, you know, it was just too much for me. But that was so it was like I said, blissful resignation to sheer terror to elation. And I guarantee you, if I would have had a seismometer with me, so we we parked at Noah's dorm. And we rode the bus. Okay. A and M has great transportation. Do they really now? Okay. Oh my All god! Right. It's 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 awesome. They figured it out. Let's, they figured yeah, it okay. out. So we park at his dorm, and we just take the bus. They drop us off right there. I had parking passes, but if it's like any other college or professional, then you're suffering an hour and a half trying to get out of the parking lot. Exactly. Yeah. Or an hour and a half getting in. Yeah. So anyway, so we we make a mad dash, right? Because I knew it was going to be mayhem. Mm-hmm. But we were probably maybe 200 yards out, made it out before most people out of out of Kyle Field, and I, I'm, I'm kicking myself in the butt for not turning around and taking a video. I had the perfect view of Kyle Field, and I mean the roar. If I would have had a side graph, it would have registered. Really, I mean it was just it. I it, that. You'd feel it, it burnt into my mind. Yeah. And I don't know why the heck I didn't pull my phone out and take that video. Sometimes you gotta live in the moment. Sometimes you gotta live in the moment. Sometimes you gotta live in the moment. But it was, but it was, I, and I, and I will say this in probably in the last five years since I've really gotten, eh, seven years since I've really gotten into college ball, I've been to a lot of games. Okay. Uh, but I have to say the the first game I ever went to at Kyle Field, my daughter, my oldest, went to Ole Miss. It was October of 18, maybe. Okay. So Andrew and Jordan come up from Corpus. We rented a car and because we knew that, you know, yeah. we didn't need to be driving, right? So me and Noah, my son who's over there now, and Jordan and Andrew went to the game. We're all decked out in our old Miss stuff, right? And I had some buddies over there, old field buddies that have uh, you know, tailgates set up. And I got to tell you, of all of the college games I've ever been to, all of them, I've been to a lot of them, is it not one iota of smack at all? That's the thing. Like I got, I got to say, we were sitting – I mean, we were partying with a bunch of folks beforehand, all A and M people. We sat in a sea of Aggies with all of our old stuff. And it was on, fine, and everybody was just so nice. And that's the thing, like, I, so I went down. Like, I'm not a huge like sports guy. I'm not. I, I, I tried one time to get into sports uh, when I first got into sales because everyone talks about it in the breakfast rooms. So I would download the ESPN app. But look, but I get that. Like, I see some stuff when I go to like when I when I do go to games and all that stuff and whatever. I'm not obviously naming names, but sometimes it gets pretty, pretty trashy. You know what I mean? I'm like, there's oh, kids yes. around, there's this, there's that. Yeah. 
but I'm not, I'm not saying there because I went there, but I feel like, look, there's always bad apples, but I feel like the majority, it, it, it's, it's, it's not smack talking. You know what I mean? Right. It's, 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 it's probably good humor talk, whatever, but it's, it, no one's there to like, right. Well, some people I'm sure, but no one's there really getting thrown down, getting yeah. fights. Well, I've, I've seen everything from, you know, it's like the Russians say every joke is half a joke. I've seen that all the way to fisticuffs. Yeah. At college games, right? Dude. So a, a great example of this, and there's a, there's a such thing as being a good loser and a such thing as being a good winner. Yeah. Right. So we were at the OU U of H game at the Advocare Bowl kickoff game down in NRG Stadium when U of H yeah. in 2016 beat OU. Yeah. Okay. Great. Right. So it wasn't the OU people that were talking the smack talk. It was all the U. And I went, I got my grad degree from U of H. Okay. So I'm there for U of H, chairing for U of H. But it was all the U of H people that were stirring the pot. I'm sitting there going, what the hell's going on here? And then I stopped about it. I thought, you know, it had been a while since U of H. Well, we we did win the Peach Bowl in 2015, but we were still new to being back in the, the mindset the of, line of, line. Of, of, yes. of winning. I get it. I right? feel you. And so that dawned on me. I said, you know, there's such thing as being a good loser and there's such thing as being a good winner. And, man, it was – I mean, and that, I, we saw fisticuffs at that game. Have you? Been, and it was the U of H person that started it. Are you a fisticuff kind of guy? Or, no. like, growing up, were you a fisticuff kind I of guy? I used to be. Really? Oh. I ne- I've never been in a yeah. fight before. I feel like if yeah. I got in a fight, I'd be real emotional. You know, like, yeah. ooh, the adrenaline, you know. I just yeah. never, I always, like, yeah. whenever someone, like, like gets yeah. whatever, I kind of make friends with them. You yeah. know, like, I'm, I always, like, try to de-escalate it. In 1979, I had hair as long as yours. Yes. And I, was, I was a long-haired redneck. Really? Oh, yeah. It's a lot of fisticuffs <laughs> back then. <laughs> well, I had friends that were a, a lot more of that ilk. But, I, yeah, I mean, I, and, you know, back to our earlier conversation about, you know, the way you change is it. I'm, I'm so mellow. I scare myself. Sometimes. I love that. So, so here, here's the deal driving here this morning. Yeah. I went, Oh, I, I went, and I went another rabbit hole folks. Sorry. So I went and got my hair did. Yeah. So just I'm, for a, this. I'm, I'm a big old school barber fan. Like old style, like okay. old school. Okay. I, so my regular place I go to in Conroe was closed, right? So I try this new place. It's called Galindo's. So if any of you folks are up there on 1488, Galindo's, I want to give them a plug. They did a fantastic job. They opened a date. Yeah, they did. Anyway, so I got the old school straight razor shave. Warm, was it warm, um, warm whole, uh, shaving cream? The whole nine yards. Oh. The towel, hot shaving cream. I love so that. I, old I felt, classy. Oh, it, that's it, the old school touch. It's awesome. And so any, it, it's always funny. Anytime I get in the chair and they lean me back, I always think about, you remember one of the last scenes in the Godfather, yes. one of the assassins, was say. he was getting the warm lather put on and he takes a draw off his lucky strike and he looks at his watch. Always think about Jack that. Out. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But anyway, so that's what it, it I love, I love that. That's old school. That, I remember, it, I remember when, I was in the, when I was at a and I was in the core and I used to go to this one place that would. So it was obviously high and tight, five finger, Y wall, four finger, whatever. And they would put this warm stuff and just have that straight. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what they do. You know, so I'll get the, I'll get the, you know, the straight razor shave. And then 
you know, they, they trim you oh, up. I love oh, it. Oh yeah. 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 So anyway, so, you know, my, that, that used to be one of the big things my son and I did was go get our hair. Yeah. Hairs cut together, get our hers did together. And so he, he went to the, the phase of where he liked going to sports clips because of the cute girls. Oh, uh, yes. That, right. I, I think every guy, I don't care if, I, I know guys that are 35 doing that. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I was way past that, but um, found a place in Conroe and, I, and I'll give a plug for them too. Daniels and Conroe. It's there at the, at the West Loop and 105. They're great too. Uh, but the old school barber, I love it. Those, I love that old style. People talking, not rushing. It's awesome. It's it's different. It, gives, it has I a different it. has a different vibe. Absolutely, absolutely. So anyway, back to A and M. Uh, we're almost out. And fisticuffs. Yeah, yeah. We still have the. We have the. Uh, out. What is this one called again? Nuovo. Oh, what? okay. I can't remember the. But this apparently is the first. Uh, which one is this called again? The last one. The Oleo. So yeah, Olio Olio Nuovo, and apparently this is the creme de la creme, the Mercedes Benz of olive oils. This is the first press of the season. I feel like I'm right. It really yeah. means apparently, Olio. Okay, it means <laughs> all of you old farts out there remember Olio. This means new oil. So this is the first. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I got a funny uh, oil story. You got to take about a hit this. off it. You take a pull. Ooh, I'm liking yes. the aroma. It's got yeah. a good olive oil aroma. Ooh. Wow. Now, see that? Do you, you taste that burn? That's, That's got a burn. Good. That's got a burn. And That's really good. You're, you're right, Alec. It's got, a, it's got a bite to it. Yeah. We could we describe that as a That's pungency when we're talking about like flavor profiles in olive oil? That like every bite to it's called pungency. So the so the pungency. Folks. So for those that are learning right now, the uh, the olive oil has if it has a bite, a peppery thing, it's the pungency of it. Right. I like that. That's good. Yeah. That's, that's pretty. That's really pretty. Good. I remember. Um, so I think this was my favorite. I like the uh, the basil, and I like the one you didn't like. You like the orange. I the, like the lemon. The orange. That's yeah. Right. I like the orange. I remember I was talking to this cat one time. He was, uh, I don't know, we're, we're in a big group and I'm just, you know, doing my thing. Everyone's laughing on stuff and, and this, whatever. And this, this guy, he's like, yeah, I'm the, oil, I'm the, oil. I'm like, oh yeah, what do you do? He's like, I'm the oil industry too. I was like, oh no, no, no shit. Like who you with and all that stuff. I just started talking, shooting the shit and all that stuff. He's like, well, you know, it's, you know, we get, it's actually the fish oil market, but, uh, I tell everyone it's the oil industry cause I'm in Houston. I was like, well, no, you gotta, don't, don't do that. Just tell people what, what market you're in. I love it. <laughs> I had fun today. I had a great time today. It's been a great day. I I, I think that uh, and it's gonna yeah, be a great afternoon too. You got True Lux. You got some stone crab. Come, oh, that is a um, great. As my friend James Parr would say, I'm heading over to Harvard on the Brazos. Are you? Uh, are you? So when you go to like True Lux and you have seafood and all stuff, are you a white wine? You uh, are you a red Zinfandel? Are you a uh, Martini? What are you? No, I tell you what, the best white wine. I'm a Sauvignon Blanc guy. The best. And you can't find it. It's hard to find, but it's called Cloudy Bay. And it's from New Zealand. Okay. And it's a Sauvignon Blanc. It's 
So my wife's it's a huge the real deal. My wife's a huge Sauvignon Blanc. She's been really into uh, Sancerre's, which is pretty much French for Sauvignon Blanc. Right. Same thing. Same yeah. thing. I get it. They're good. So They're I'm, good. I'm gonna. So that's who you're gonna go with tonight? Yeah, I'm. I'm going with my old buddy, the Moge, uh, Dallas Cowboys fan, but I won't hold that against him. Uh, so yeah, yeah, and you know what is okay. Now that I think about it, twenty years ago, I was at True Lux down in the Galleria, yep. and they actually had Cloudy Bay. Wow! And True Lux was it the but same location? What's same that? location? Yeah, on West Hammer? Okay. Yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. I just don't know if. Well, I don't care if the Moge is a wine drinker or not. I'm ordering a bottle of Cloudy Bay. There we go. The boy boys' night tonight at True Lux. That's what I'm yeah. digging. Yeah. But first, my other favorite, in addition to ranch water, and that's another thing that uh, John Despain did for me was get me onto ranch water. I love ranch water, dude. Those are those but are big right now. The other thing that I that and and Kim knows this. She has experience. Is that I love. Dirty Tito's vodka martini. I am kettle one up with a twist. I don't like, you know, I'd, I'd chew Jippin' Springs over uh, Tito's. Personally, that's just my personal opinion. That's okay. We can disagree on something and still be friends, just like we've talked about. Just like we talked just about we've talked earlier. About. So, so before we finish up here, um, I, got a, I, I got a plug, as my J buddy James Parr would say, Harvard on the Brazos. So um, I'm, I'm excited and I'm scared all at the same time, but I'm, I'm, I'm uh, the 1986 movie. Back Roddy to school. Dangerfield, back to school. Yes. I'm applying for my master in engineering. So this is really happening. In petroleum engineering. As we speak, I'm, I'm getting. Oh, I thought, I thought you were just like no, thinking about doing this. No, 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 oh, no. you're actually in the process of applying to get your. I've got all my transcripts uploaded. All okay. I'm waiting on right now is I need to finish my statement of purpose and waiting on my letters of recommendation. So I'm applying for them. And it's a, a non thesis program at AM. Right? That's so awesome. And I, I'm excited. And I'm, you know, back to talking about the whole management thing is, you know, I've, I've learned to try to step out of your comfort zone and going to studying petroleum engineering. I'm kind of not, but at the same time, kind I, I kind of am because it's been 25 well, look, years. You've been in the industry for X number of years. It doesn't mean you know everything about oh, petroleum engineering. No. You know it's, what it's I mean? Like so I, it's, it's like I said during our, our breakfast ride, I'm to the age where I know I don't know everything. Yeah. Right. So anyway, that's happening, and I keep, and like I said, I keep threatening my son. It's going to be a repeat of the Ronnie Dangerfield movie. You got to get a dorm room. I've got, I've got. You've got to get a dorm room and get like the meal ticket, so you go to like the cafeteria, get shitty food. Yeah. I would just do that. Yeah, but you know, the my my son lives like I was telling you. He lives at the Cambridge, and it's like it's like a freaking resort. They have this multi level swimming pool. Stop. With, it's with, it's with things have changed. Stuff. It's 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 not like the cinder block. You know, Marine Barracks bed that people had. That's what we had. Yeah. And honestly, like, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying like I'm old school, but I kind of am because, yeah, it was it was there. It was like you had like it was like center block places, shitty beds that were steep. That was, you know, 
to the floor, you know, stuck to the, yeah. and you shit, it was, it was, it was, and now they're living in pretty much like, you're right, resorts, like these it luxurious, is. like apartment complexes, like There's a back in our day. Oh. Back what? in my day. Back yeah. in my day, it was a lot different. No, but so wait, we, so when is when is the, uh, the when is the approval process? When uh, so when I, is this I have to I have to have my application in by December fifteenth. So oh, it's coming up. I'm, yeah, but I'm what I'm, I'm I've got to finish my uh, my statement of purpose. Right? How long so does that have to be? So all the, they want to know, you know, why you're going back to school, what academic professional, yeah, you know, blah blah blah. Yeah. You know, so I'm I'm working on that and having a. Um, uh, buddy of mine, ghostwriter uh, for you. Q, no, not ghostwriter. No. Can you see that for me right now? <laughs> yes, uh, <clears throat> yes, Doctor Kuna. I'm writing it myself. <laughs> yeah, Mister Dupriest, I'm writing it myself. Um, uh, yes, Doctor Maria, I'm writing it myself. Um, if you need a so reference, I'm, I'm here for you. I'm, I'm no, I appreciate that. Okay, just I, FYI, I appreciate that. All right, good. So here, here's the funny thing is that I'm. Largely what I'm waiting on is everybody, I've, they need three letters of recommendation, right? And it, and it says that they need people who are most familiar with your academic, you know, your academic. Well, okay. everybody's dead yeah. except for one guy. <laughs> except for one guy. I, I, it's it's funny, but it's not, but it's funny. It right? is funny. You, you got to laugh at it. You got to laugh, you at, laugh it, at it, right? You know, because, you know. And, you know, people, when I tell people what I'm doing, they either go, what the hell are you doing that for to, you know, like, you know, like Kate, she thinks it's great. I think I love that idea. You know? So anyway, so I'm, I'm, that, that's what I'm waiting on. And so I, you get approved when you're starting. Would that be in the fall? It'll be in the fall of 2022. Exciting. Yeah. So it's a 36 hour deal. Uh, no thesis. It's a, they describe it as a, Practice-oriented degree. Yeah. So, in other words, it's not like a master of science where you do a thesis, but that's not. It's what real I need. world experience. It's not what I, that's not what I need right now. Yeah. If I'm gonna do that, that's not what no, I need. No, right no, no, no. It doesn't do anything for you. No, it's, it's real the, world experience applied yeah, with academics. Absolutely. And so, I, you know, they, I'm because I don't have a degree in petroleum engineering. There's some core classes that I have to take, which I get that. I'm good with that. Right. But you get to choose a specialty area. Right. So, yeah. you know, Tyler Schultz, Bobby West, oh, we go, John Spain, we go I'm going drilling. I would critique everything that they do after you get your uh, degree. Oh, yeah. Everything. No, I, I mean, I would, my, I, would, gonna, I would ask questions. They're going to hate my guts by oh. the time this is over. With. And, then I, and then I would honestly flex the, uh, the, the, what you get. You're like, oh, well, I know because I just graduated. Exactly. I would, I would, I would do that nonstop. Absolutely. And well, I would chime in on conversations and just, hey, uh, I learned this, guys. That's this is fresh knowledge. Not, <laughs> not like the old, not like the old timers have been doing this for seven years. This right. is fresh knowledge. So, anyway, what, what, what's neat about the program over there is that, like I said, it's, it's practice oriented. So I, I couldn't take this and go on and get a PhD, right? Which is fine. Man. I don't want to do that, right? Um, so the guy who used to be the chief drilling engineer for Exxon Mobil, right. he has like a bachelor's in mechanical engineering. Yep. He's one of the professors over there. If I want to be a drilling engineer or if, 
that's what I want my concentration. You can, I'm, I'm going to have to take reservoir. I'm going to have to take drilling. I'm going to take production. So you don't have to John and Tyler. I right. get it. I dig it. Yeah. Go yeah. after them. So, you know, plant, I've just kind of summing up our conversation here. I've, I've learned in life that you have to have a plan A, plan B, plan C, and a plan D, right? My plan A is to get a minimum of some field time, you know, continue my position yep. as development manager of geoscience for the Anadarko yep. operating area, but to get some practical field time, right? Go out and spend a week or two weeks out with the company man. Yeah. Right. Out with the superintendents, right. And learning some things, you know, if, you know, things get crazy, Maybe I could ro- do some rotation. I mean, I'm plan B. I, you know, plan but, C. But that. So I'll finish with this. I'm I'm not going to go. We are we, wrapping. We, this, we we will save the story that, that we my, need to get into. That my wife wants me to tell about when we're at Charles Krug Winery. All right. You, first off, you've been thinking about this before we started filming this, before we started recording this. So I kind of feel like I think you have to tell that story and then we'll just end it on that because this has been on your mind. You've wanted to bring it up. I don't even know the story, but apparently yeah. you want to bring it. There's something in you that wants to bring it up. So no. fin- finish finish your plan A, B, C, D, and then I, let's get to this story. No, no. We're good? Let, yeah, forget that. No. I don't want to bring it up because it's really embarrassing. Oh, Look, you only they don't bring it up then. But we're, so where are we leaving this? Where are we we're going we're, to we're wrap this up right now? Where are we going to leave this? Where are we going to leave this? Where we're going to leave this is um, you're yeah. coming for Tyler. It's been <laughs> that's where we're leaving I'm, this. Tyler, I'm pursuing a higher education. Spain, come after you, Despain and Schultz. Despain, even though I'm I'm telling you right now, you're going to come on. You're going to we're going to start you out on the milk. You're going to do breakfast run. And then we're going to get you on to the meat. The meat at the uh, at the tavern. The meat at the tavern. The meat at the tavern. Let's get John, Tyler, and you and me up there. And ba- I tell you what. Yes. Let's do that. Okay. We'll, we'll make that's it how, happen. That's how, that's how John will come into uh, the mix. Yeah. No, this has been... Uh, I've had a blast, this, man. It, it's been a blast. It really has. And, and the thing is, though, like... Talking about this, you're the one that reached out to me. You're the one that made the introduction. You're the one... Like, I, I, I love the fact that, like... You, it's still about meeting people. It's still about, it's still just like hanging out and talking to people. I love the fact that we're sitting here having 17 shots of olive oil and a, having a nice bottle of wine sitting here bullshitting. I love it. <laughs> Have we had, we've had what, 10? Yeah, I'm Ubering. 11? I'm Ubering though, so we're good. Uh, yeah. No, but this was like, honestly, yeah. I, I, I enjoy this. I really dig it. Um, I think when, you know, I, I, if you need a recommendation, I'll be your fourth uh, letter recommendation for you. Uh, you'll be my fifth. I'll be your fifth then. I've already got one Aggie in there. So, you know, having another Aggie there can't you hurt. Go. That's all you need. That's right? all you need. And I'll, let, me, let me finish with this. So yes. I grew up in a house full of Longhorns. Okay. I was raised. I was raised to hate Aggies. Never in my wildest dreams would I have thought that, much less my son would be going Yep. But, but that I would be going there. But you know what? Here I am. And you know what? All you haters out there, hate away. Hate, hate, hate is like a Dave Chappelle. The, hater, <laughs> the, hate, the player haters ball. But uh, no, hey. man, man, I appreciate this, amigo. Seriously, have a good evening Enjoyed tonight. It. 
I will. We'll do that, uh, the double uh, double date uh, in April and all stuff. I want to thank uh, Alec and all these cats over to We Olive up in the Heights. I mean, Thanks. this is a great venue. We came here, with, yeah. my wife and I came here the hey, first Alec, time. Alec, come on over here. I want to say thank you. Alec's been great. So he, this is... Come on in. You just say hello. Just say hello. <laughs> so he's the one that recommended everything here. I want to thank you so much for kind of there having is. us and all that stuff, hosting us. This yeah. has been a good time. It was We've had fun. It was a joy, gentlemen. I'm glad, glad to have gotten a break from the Christmas music. And this is, <laughs> yeah. and this is, uh, I guess there's an event here tonight. So I'm, I'm digging this for uh, for events too. This might be in a crew club yeah. future. Neat place. Hey, thanks for the thanks for the olive oil flat and great recommendation on the old Ben's Inn. Appreciate yeah, no it. No problem at all. I'm glad yeah. you guys liked everything. Thank you very much. No problem. All right, dig it, brother. All right. You have fun tonight. All it's, right? it's going to be a good weekend. I'm going bass fishing tomorrow. We'll we'll pick up with bass fishing next time. We'll talk about that over the over the over the barbecue. Okay. We will. Touch right. your tavern. I'm down for that. All right. Let's everyone, do it. thanks everyone for tuning into Energy Crew and Matt. Thank you so much for such an awesome uh, afternoon. I'm glad I chose this. Not hanging out with Bruce, to be honest with you. So I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate you need to get that. to know Bruce. He's good ah, people. Well, you know what? I'm getting to know you first, and then we'll move on. Then we'll move on to Bruce. Increment your way into Increment your way. I, I, I can't open the floodgates. You know what I mean? Yeah. It has to be genuine. Okay? Yeah. So uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in to Energy Crew. And Matt, thank you so much for a good afternoon. And, glad uh, to be here. And uh, we'll talk to you in a little bit. And good luck on your uh, application process. That's exciting. I, it, it is exciting. Thank you very much. I dig it. So, everyone, thanks so much. And uh, we'll talk to you all soon. Thank you.